My man Holman, did you just, uh, you got back from a trip just recently, like last night or this morning, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> what? Is this going to be one of these shows? Show? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Great. Dude, I was, I did the Rivian. Th- these, hold on. Every single episode can't start this way where you're just beat up from the feet up because you've been on the road testing some freaking truck that's under embargo. Can I just- Embargo. Mm. Can I just tell you that I have done a lot of travel lately? I know that. That's but what this whole conversation is the, about. The problem is that it's 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 caught up to me. How so? Well, other than you yawning right now. All right. So I went on that Center Force trip, right? And we we overlanded all over uh, Arizona, and then I came back, and a day later, I did the Chevy ZR2 drive, mm-hmm. and then three days later, I went to Easter Jeep Safari, and then my wife went to New Orleans for work. So I'm going to say that's like a trip because being a single dad for the week is every bit as trying as being on the road. Yeah, there's going to be if there's any ladies, any moms, yeah, listening, they hate you right now. No, no I'm I'm giving them props. Oh, are you? Doing. Yeah, this is okay. my way of saying I I, uh-huh. I Back feel you. Backhand compliment. Yes. Nope, nope. It's humble brag. Okay. Uh, and then I went to Olaf. Right, we were at Olaf that following weekend, and then believe overlanding it or, as sure. Oh no, overlanding adventure families. Here. No, overlanding adventure festivals. Oh God. So then we were. I was here for a week. And then my wife went to Hawaii for a week for Mother's Day with her mom and sister. Boo-hoo. And then that was like, wait, I was just a single parent last week. I could do it again? I mean, yay, yay, <laughs> I love my kids. And then uh, she gets back, mm-hmm. and I go on a four-day trip with my dad out to the desert, come home Sunday night. Monday morning, I go to Cerro Gordo with Rivian and go see our friend Brent Underwood. Yep. And then two days, I'm home, and I go out to Overland Expo West and Flagstaff. Tell me you got some audio uh, out there. I, I didn't. You did not I'm get any not audio? one piece of audio. You're lying right to my face. Uh, I'm you not. went to Overlanding Expo, or what uh, yeah. is it called again? Yeah, Overland Expo. Overland Expo. I was so busy, I didn't have time, and then- Wait, wait, what? busy doing what? Schmoozing? Uh, oh, dude, so much schmoozing. But here's the problem, is it was so windy the first couple days, there was no way to get audio. Thank God dude, you did I not I watched try. a dude, you should have seen these guys, they have thousands of dollars in easy ups, and one, the wind is so strong, there's like literally dust devils going right through the middle, lifting up easy ups. One guy gets picked up off the ground. I'm like, let it go! Wait, let wait. Let it go! Let it go. And and he's like, he's like, do you know how expensive these are? Well, he's like five feet off the ground, you know. Did it actually lift yes. him off the ground? Well, here's what I learned about Overland Expo and wind and promotional easy ups. <laughs> there are 72 different ways. Is that ways. like a Venn diagram where they all come together? Yeah, there are 72 different ways to keep one of those from blowing away. Mm-hmm. And only three of them work. Uh, Maybe so two. It, so one of them is tying it down to a vehicle. Nope, because then it stays. That one works, and then the other side flops over, and then slams Destroys in the your car. Ve- yeah, okay. right in your vehicle. All right, okay. No, there's these like weighted. Uh, they're like squares mm-hmm. that have like a little cut out, cut out of them, yeah, so those. that you can alternate them and put them on the bottom. Those mm-hmm. seem to be pretty good. Easy up talk, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Sandbags uh, don't work. No, because the easy up moves, and the sandbags are no longer on the little tiny feet they give you on those things. And also- The metal stakes don't work either. Well, here's the other thing. Is there's normally, there's like, everybody had this fancy new easy up this year. Every, you know, the old ones that had like the steel, like no, one have, by one No, I have poles, the octagon style. The octagon aluminum ones. Yes. I saw four of those where the aluminum was twisted, twisted. from the wind and, and cracked completely off. Total structural failure. Yeah. I had a brand new easy up tent and uh, I bought it. I picked it up on a Friday. I drove straight up to uh, Santa Rosa, California for a diesel event. And ruined it. 
Nope. Beautiful tent. Then I went to my son right after that, uh, at the end of, I guess I spent the night there and then the next morning got up and I went to go see my son at Chico State, which is in Northern California. And ruined it there. Nope. I brought him out to breakfast and I came out and someone had stolen it from the bed of the truck. So somebody it up was, there- It was 1.5 days old. So somebody- Has a bright red Banks Easy Up. near Chico State- Yes. Is having the taco guy in the park- with their family reunion with a Banks Easy No, nah, there's a homeless dude living under it. It's got to be. You think be. so? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but they don't They don't have a lot of headroom when they're low like that, though, and that's a big footprint. Yeah. So I, I told all his roommates and stuff in his dorm, I'm like- Steal you, it back. I'm like, if you see a bright red <laughs> Banks, it's. I mean, it's literally all all red why, why did with you, white Banks. Why that's did it. you leave it in the open bed of your truck? So I parked right in front of this breakfast spot. I We went in for, I guess, but 45 But that doesn't minutes. help if you're not watching the truck. I know, but it was in a black zip-up bag. That looked like an easy-up holder. I guess it looked like an easy-up. But, like, I, I mean, how many—you don't think that someone's just going to walk by and go, I'm going to pick up that 100-pound easy-up and then make off with it. I, absolutely, people are looking in your bed. You know how I know this? Because one night, I went out to dinner with uh, the guys from uh, Bill Stein, and I had a fast-food bag in the truck. So I'm like, I'll just put it in the bed, and I'll throw it away when I get gas because we had four guys in, in the TRX. And I'm like, all right, no problem. I totally forgot about it. And in the morning, the squirrels had come and taken it out of the pickup bed, and there was trash and wrappers all over the place that I had to pick up in the morning. Okay, well, squirrels did not steal my 100-pound How do you know? Up. You didn't see who stole it. I mean, I guess I can't prove that squirrels didn't steal it. So on this episode of the Truck Show Podcast, not only are we uh, talking, well, I guess we're not going to have any audio from uh, Overland Expo, but what we will have is mother Adam Corolla. Did I distort there? I distorted. Um, That's how excited I, mean, I am. I distorted. You distorted me. That's a good guess. That's the first good guest you've ever booked on the show. No way, dude. Are you kidding me? I booked the other guest on this show, which is my boy from JL Audio. Oh, so is that J Lightning? Is that what this stands for? No. Oh. No. It's, we're gonna, if you've always wondered what JL stood for, yeah. I'm going to ask because I frankly don't know. Oh. I don't know. But right. I wanted to so know you're when saying I did look it up. In this episode, yeah. the two guests that we have both came from you. I booked them both. Suck it. I'm not going to suck it. I'm just going to say thank you. Oh, okay. All right, a I'll lot take, I'll more take a work thank you. than you usually do on I, booking guests. Yeah. Well, dude, Appreciate I had that. And I had on last episode, I had Chris Hardy from uh, Expel. I'm on a roll, bro. Yeah, but you can't stop after three. Oh. I've I, literally booked 250 guests on the show. I don't know what you're talking about. And you've got like eight. I'm happy with my eight. <laughs> I mean, my, my eight are winners. I would say six of your eight are winners. Who have been dogs? <laughs> I'm not going to say. Oh. I'm just saying you don't always hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, listen, you know what is a home run? Freaking Nissan Frontier. Oh, no. A lifted Nissan Frontier. So I will tell you this. When I wait, was wait. At, did you find a lifted yeah, Frontier? Yeah. So as at Overland Expo, uh-huh. uh, the guys over at CBI and Prinsu in their booth. Wait, what? At where? CBI. CBI they is like bumpers what? and skid plates and things like that. Okay. And oh, Prince, I Prince know does CBI. racks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a sick Baja Storm Pro 4X mm-hmm. lifted on 35s in their booth. With like a Rome case on it or something like that on the roof rack, on the Prince rack on top, and a couple of mountain bikes. And I took like 10 pictures just because I had to drool on it. If you go to their Instagram, um, they are uh, at Prince Design, P R N S U D E S I G N. Oh Prince my God. Design. I, what? Just Prince Design. Okay. All right, how about this? CBI Off Road Fab. That's easier. Okay. Go, go there and check it out. But it is a great looking truck. So, um, they have a winch-ready like bumper inset that has a light bar. You basically keep all the colored portion of the bumper in that black plastic, like where the radiator g- gap is low on the bumper. Yeah. They replace all that with, uh, I guess, the steel. 
but it's basically a winch tray. It's LED lights. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. Let me see. I just looked at that and I was like, what? oh, strong. Strong. Whose lights are those? Any idea? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it was one of those things where I was running from place to place, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have time to stop other than to grab a couple pictures. So maybe we call those guys up and get them on the show. Yeah, let's get them on the horn for because sure. Because that truck was the first time I I had seen. I, I seen? Is that you right? You had seen. I seen. No, no. I had seen. Uh, that was the first time I seen. No, a, no. I uh, had seen or I saw. Uh, right. I seen the nope, uh, new Nissan no, Frontier. No, do not say I seen. That's not right. Okay. I had saw no. the <laughs> Nissan Frontier on 35s. And it looked righteous. So what would someone do if they wanted to build their own up on 35s? Well, I think we should have a little episode about that. But first, you have to get your own. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll try and lead you into oh. NissanUSA.com, Build and Price. Oh, yeah. So uh, go to NissanUSA.com, Build and Price. Is there that, you go. that what you're looking for? That's what I was looking for. All right, you can check out the uh, one of the hottest-selling mid-sized trucks right now in the market. That's the 2022 Nissan Frontier with best-in-class horsepower from a direct-injected Dual overhead cam, 3.8 liter V6, 310 mm-hmm. horsepower backed by a nine-speed Jatco automatic. If you want a uh, rear locker, Bill Stein's from the factory, all the goodies, you want to get a Nissan Pro 4X. So head on over to NissanUSA.com or down to your local dealer where they will have no idea who the Truck Show podcast is or why you're there. But <laughs> yeah. if you just tell them you want a Nissan Frontier, they'll take good care of you. Uh, so a question regarding Overland Expo. Did yeah. you notice any overloaded trucks out there i drove what 700 miles or 800 miles round trip yeah i saw all of them and there was one <laughs> particular model that does not have best in class horsepower out of their v6 that's very popular mm. in this particular model you can see everywhere schmundra and, uh I tell you what I, no schmacoma no I, i'm not saying who it is i'm just saying that these trucks are prolific yes in their slowness and their overweightedness. And I would imagine that there are people- Is that like you and I? They're the you and I of trucks? Yes, maybe. <laughs> Slow maybe. and sluggish well, I hope and overweight. More, I hope we're more successful than them. Anyway, uh, I was thinking there might be something they could use from banks that would make their truck feel a little uh, sportier because, dude- Dude, I got to say, so Steven, you know Steven at my work. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so he's in charge of our, our social media feeds, and he's got a newish, I want to say it's a- a 19 or 20 Tacoma and a Schmacoma, sorry. And he put a pedal monster no, on no, no. there. You can say Tacoma, not Schmacoma, when you're talking specifically about somebody's truck. So Steve what has, you can't say is what I'm I'm saying what I saw. Those were all those other ones. I'm super confused. But the bottom right. line is, is that so Steven, like many Bang's customers, put a pedal monster on his midsize pickup and it made a crazy difference. It you're familiar with a lot of the midsize pickups, and they're just dogs when you put a set of 35s on them. Uh, yeah, especially if you're not regearing and there's a lot of pedal latency anyway. And uh, yeah, they're not super responsive. And we're not talking about just turbo vehicles. We're talking naturally everything. aspirated, everything. Yeah. They're just, they've got, uh, the factories build in this pedal latency and sometimes it's for fuel economies. So it's for a lot of reasons, but you can get that back. You can get the snappy throttle. I was trying to snap here. Snappy throttle back. There oh, I go. don't like that. Yeah, you don't like that? No, okay, no, no. So I will do that again. All right. You can get the snappy throttle back with a Banks pedal monster, 30 levels of sensitivity and reverse safety. So when you back up, you back at stock throttle, it's patented, and it makes your schmacoma or whatever else <laughs> a lot of fun to drive. All right, bankspower.com. You'd be surprised how many applications they have for the pedal monster, cars, trucks, SUVs, you name it. So it's probably the right choice for whatever you have in your driveway that feels slow and sluggish. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with Truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between.
Theme song. Uh, you did it first, and I was just that was my clapback. Yeah. Your clapback. <laughs> yeah, that was my clapback. <laughs> You're not hip enough to say clapback. Watch me clapback. Ooh, burn, 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 burn. I don't remember what I said today, but it was so funny. I was texting with Gail. Hold on, I got, I got to look this up. I'm, I'm at a conference. We're sitting in a meeting, and uh, what did I text Gail? I, I need to look this up. And he said so, something so, like so, Gail inappropriate. So Gail, Gail turns eighty in October, uh, August. Okay. Okay. Yep. And I have, uh, oh, I was going to, oh, so Corey Willis is in town and uh, hanging out with some friends. He's at, he's at Banks at the shop. I'm going to send Corey to Jazz Night over to Alan's house. So By the way, Alan, gonna, who did our uh, our other theme song. The, the other, the B scene. Why, are they still doing Jazz Night now? It didn't die after COVID? No, they've been doing it the whole time. What? No. How you, you I just not, have I not did, been invited. I haven't been invited. And by the way, neither have I. By the way, Alan told me that I was always invited, so I just have to show up, I guess. Yeah. What the hell? You should go. Is you this on Tuesdays? Tuesday nights. Oh, Tuesday night. When we record the so podcast. So anyway, so it. check this out. So anyway, Corey thinks he's going to jazz night with Gail. So Gail is now texting me, asking me to break the news that he cannot take Corey to jazz. So he texts me, he says, I just realized I can't take Corey to jazz because tonight is my 53rd wedding anniversary. And of course, I can't miss that. And I wrote, yeah, of course, you can't miss your anniversary. And he texts back those two words at the bottom. True that. <laughs> He writes true dad. What? T R U E D A T. True dad. Uh, so From an eighty-year-old dude. True dad. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I I have similar Gale texting stories. It's just comedy. All right, Holman. Why don't we just uh, oh, I t- know. take a pause here? I know. I know. What's that? You want me to dial him? Uh, no. I don't have his number though. No. Well, I I I do have his number. His girlfriend's number and his ex-wife's number. <clears throat> but what, wait, wait, wait. Is that a humble brag? Yes. No. He. But he's um he's supposed to call us. Oh. All right. Well, um, phone's ready to go. Huh. Are you uh, you recording? I've been recording. Yeah. <sighs> is he going to ghost us? Because I feel like he might do that. Yeah, Not because is, uh, of you, though. Just it, because he's a big one. He's busy. Yeah, he's busy. Yeah, time for his little guy. He's guys. a star. Right. He's a big comedian. Big comedian. Huh. Would that be the ultimate joke? <laughs> not, <laughs> not calling, calling us. Not calling <laughs> Lightning and Holman uh-huh. from the Truck Show podcast. Oh, I mean, I, l- hey, hey, hey. Hey, your, your phone just no, lit up. No, nope, that's not him. Nope, here, I'm, uh, that was uh, Bill Bill Collector. Um, I mean, can I be honest? Sure. I, I probably wouldn't call us either. I would. Oh, wow. First time I've ever been wrong. Hello, hello, hello. Adam Grilla. Hey, how are you? We are fantastic. So, Adam, it's been a long time. This is Lightning, and you've got my buddy Sean Holman, the other half of the Truck Show podcast, on with you. What's going on? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Met you briefly uh, in the past. We did some Motor Trend stuff with you, so uh, and big big fan for a long time. Oh, thanks. Well, it's good to be on. So you're talking to us. We are coming to you from the Motor Trend studio in El Segundo. I don't know if you've been here or not, but uh, you guys know Adam Carolla as Mr. Comedian, uh, Mr. Host of many TV shows. Uh, former co-worker of yours. Yes, car guru. But I know Adam as Mr. Burcham, the high school woodshop teacher, as played on the Kevin and Bean Show on K-Rock Los Angeles. So, uh, let me play this. 1-800-520-1067 for your home improvement questions. Now these have to be real questions because Mr. Burcham has real answers. Mr. Burcham, show me your lathe. <laughs> Repair my plumbing so that I can bathe. 
Pull out your hammer and give it a whack When you bend over I can see your butt crack Mr. Burcham Hang my drywall Adam's having PTSD when flashbacks yes, now Yes he is <laughs> you that I call this used to wake me up every morning at 7 a.m. Mr. Birdshop, Leachest. There we go. Yeah. The Wayback Machine, right Sorry there. Sorry about that, Adam. That's Jimmy singing. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's weird because I just pulled that out of the archives. Actually, I have a hard drive that I've been meaning to give you for like eons. Give to Nate, your your director, film director, because it's got like. I don't know, 90 Mr. Burcham bits on it <laughs> that I've been carrying oh, around really? in my All of them forever. inappropriate in this uh, new age in, so, uh, in time. So, yeah, so I'm going through playing a couple of these bits for, uh, for my man Holman in the studio, Adam, because I wanted to play just a snippet, and there's virtually nothing I can play. It's just not <laughs> PC. The one that I was going to go to is the Jenna Jameson episode where you took a feather duster out and proceeded to feather dust her, her chest. And uh, no, can't play it. Nope, I, uh, not, I buzzed that one. Not good with Discovery that owns this company. <laughs> so, you know what was weird? You know what was weird about that bit is, oh, you know, Jenna Jameson, the porn star, was coming in, and we're going to do something with Mr. Burcham. And I was like, oh, you know, what if I put a feather duster on my cordless drill? And I think the other thing I was going to do is I was going to put it like a piece of velvet on my pad sander, my vibrating sander. <laughs> and, I, you know, everything was so analog back then. And it was like <clears throat> the day before, and I knew she was coming in. And I went to like a Joanne's Fabric or one of those places that sold fabrics and craft works and glue and stuff like that. And I went in there and I was like, um, I'm going to need like a little piece of velvet you know just maybe eight inches by eight inches and 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 do you have a feather duster and then she yeah. on the counter she looked at me and she's like yeah what are you doing with that <laughs> like, how did you know what i was doing you're in the wrong store buddy I, i'm just happy yeah. that you were able to fit us in between all your bouts on uh, on tucker he seems like he's your uh, new best friend i told lightning I'm like wait tucker's had adam on 400 times and we haven't had him on once what the hell? Oh, he's either on Hannity or he's hanging out with Bill Maher. I mean, we're doing stand-up somewhere. I know. What the hell? Yeah, what the hell? You mean Tucker's never been on your show once? <laughs> Not once. Do we even? Maybe you can hook us up. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I'm going to blow a text in. All right. Isn't it Love weird, it. Adam, all those years ago, all those years ago that you were doing Mr. Bertram, the woodshop teacher from the Valley, that... Would you have never get the Blita and Reseda? Uh, I mean, there's too many. There's too many oh, stories yeah. to go back in the Wayback Machine. Of we course. don't have. We we are squeezing into Adam's schedule That's right true. now, so every second counts. But Adam, seriously, I know you've been asked this before, but like when you were doing the Blita and Reseda, fighting Jimmy Kimmel in the in a boxing ring. I'm sorry, you're coaching Jimmy in a boxing ring, or you were out at one of these dumb Kevin and Bean remotes doing Mr. Burcham, whatever. Could you have seen yourself where you are today, or did you know the trajectory? I, I don't think anyone did, right? You or Jimmy didn't know where you're gonna be. No, I, I I was just kind of one foot in front of the other. I, I I was, you know, a carpenter and a boxing coach, and I was just kind of struggling with my comedy, and I never really found the right fit sort of comedically or, or the right format or the right place to do it. And, and so I was just kind of treading water, and when I was able to get in at Kevin and Bean and K-Rock 
I was just like, wherever they tell me to go, whatever they tell me to do, whatever opportunity there is, I, I'm there. And I'll be at a big O tire place on a in Burbank on a Saturday. And, and you I'll were. Put my, yeah, <laughs> and you were. And it, and it paid off. Yeah. Tool bags on. And, and, then, and then we'll just do the next thing, like whatever the next thing was. And, you know, I'm still basically that way. You know, the next things are maybe a little bigger in scale. But, I mean, just whatever's next, I'm here to work. I, I brought the same basic mentality that I brought to the construction site or, or the boxing gym. I was just like, I'm here and I'm here to work. So whatever's next, let's do it. I think the the thing that was so endearing is that you were a regular dude. You weren't some product of Hollywood. You had real opinions from a real guy that rode motocross, that hammered nails. And loves cars. And loves cars, obviously, by the documentaries, uh, your car cast. I mean, so many things. So you're one of us. You've always been one of us. Um, you've maybe succeeded better than some of us, <laughs> but... You've you've been it, it feels good, and I think that's why you have a, a massive fan base. All right, and we're, we'll we'll get into the car stuff, but I have to ask you: you've probably known Lightning for thirty something years now. I think I've known him for over twenty. Do you have any good stories that you've always wanted to tell about Lightning that you can embarrass him well, on his I, own show? I now? have a question that I've been dying to ask him for thirty years. All right, well, this is your chance. Okay, so Adam, do you remember um, renting an RV? For Kevin's bachelor party, you, Jimmy, yes. I think it was Cordy, and you, maybe a couple others, and you guys went to Vegas for Kevin's bachelor party, and and there was a a pact that everyone was supposed supposedly made, which is no number two in the bathroom because it's a rental, <laughs> right? So yeah, you guys go sure. to Vegas, you come back, you park it there. I don't know if you were on the show on the Monday after you returned or not. You probably did a Mr. Birch and Bet. But anyway, Kevin grabs the phone and he hands it to me, my big Zach Morris Motorola brick phone. And I go downstairs and he says, we can't return the RV with the tanks full. You know, <laughs> it's the gray water, the black water needs to be emptied. Well, you guys had parked it at the foot of the Kiss FM building where Rick D's, weekly top 40 Rick D's, his radio studio was. And Kevin says, you know, just just clean out the tanks. And I go, dude, this is like a big deal if sewage comes out. He goes, no, we told Adam and Jimmy not to go number two. Well, of course, I pull the levers and out comes Jump City. It was disgusting. <laughs> and I filled the curb. I filled the gutter with, with number two in front of Kiss FM. I have always been dying to know Who's the one that dropped the deuce <laughs> in the toilet on the way to Vegas? Well, I think, you know, all roads lead <laughs> to Jimmy in his rear end. <laughs> and I'm basing it on another Vegas trip where me and Jimmy were taking Big Tad to Vegas <laughs> for his 21st birthday. Oh, yeah. no, I remember, remember that. that one. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. And... We uh, rented a van once again, or either we rented it or Big Tad's brother, T. Chance Thrasher, the male. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chance Thrasher. Had Thrasher. The van, and he picked up me and Jimmy in my apartment. And whenever, you know, Big Tad was turning 21, we told him we were taking him to Vegas. And, and so it was me and Big Tad and Jimmy and and Tad's older brother, T. Chance Thrasher. I can't remember <laughs> what his real name was. Yeah, but, but everyone called him Thrasher. Uh, yeah. Right. And so Jimmy said, 
okay, I'm going to destroy these guys on this trip down there. He showed up to my apartment and he said, like, I ate raw clams, <laughs> pinto beans, and I was washing it down with Coke, like, all night. And I'm loaded for bear, right? And I was like, I'm going to destroy these guys all the way to Vegas. And I said, okay, Jimmy, that sounds like a you know plan, you know? So we were just getting onto the freeway from my apartment in Toluca Lake. And as we're, like, going on up the on-ramp, you know, Jimmy leans over makes that smile, pumps his arm, lets a big fart go, right? It, it smells, I'm laughing, Jimmy's laughing. Everyone's laughing, except for T-Chance Thrasher, who's like driving the van. And he just kind of looks at Jimmy seriously, and he looks at me and he goes like, oh, is it on? And we're like, what? What, what, what do you mean? And then Tad has this familiar look. Like Tad's like, oh, you... You just messed with my big brother. Like, oh, special so skill. It was going to be a hot box and, session. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and me and Jimmy are like a little spooked because we're looking at these two. <laughs> we haven't prepared. And, and we're like, what, 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 what? And he goes, is it on? Because if it's on. And he just leans over and lets this horrible piece of gas come out of his ass. <laughs> and, and Jimmy and I are both devastated. And then Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, like, I got to get another one. And Pat's like, you just poked a bear, dude. Like, you should have never done You may this. have like, eaten I clams, think, like, but I ate a baby. <laughs> yeah, like, essentially, like, his brother, Tad knew what his brother was capable of. His brother never met us. So I think his brother were like, oh, these are two guys you work with at the radio station. Like, I'll keep it tucked. You know, until we until we get to the bun boy. <laughs> until there's a sign. And, and, but Jimmy drew first blood, right? <laughs> and 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 when when T Chance Thrasher went like, okay, now it's on, he gassed us out the entire <laughs> way to Vegas and back and in Vegas. And and like we were like begging for mercy. And I hope the AC was, was like, broken too. Big Tab, Big Tab's like you don't get it. Like he's this is his thing. Like he's the best. And Jimmy's like trying to call a truce, and he just he blew us out the entire. All Jimmy and I did was sit in the back of the van in like a fetal position, and I would I would hold a pack of matches and as soon as i saw him lean over i would i would quickly try to strike the match and he punished us all the way to vegas so it is like jimmy to try to preload to go to vegas that's all that's all i'm saying got it do not do not sleep on t chance thrasher and and maybe that's where he got his name. Like you took a chance, you parted in front of him, and now he's giving you a thrashing. Yeah. Do you he know what he, he destroyed us? Do you know what's funny? I don't, Adam. I don't think I have ever heard that story. I don't recall that because oh my god, I don't recall that on the air. I don't recall that being on one of my dat tapes. Or <laughs> that's wild. That's first oh. time. That is funny because I remember it, th- th- he was. Tad's, oh, wow. We can't get into Tad. No, He's a whole thing. We can't thing. waste our show on Tad. No, no, we can't do that. All right, no, it's we, we got to get to, like, Adam's stuff now. Because yeah. oh, I will say that that story proves that Adam is like every other one of us. Mm-hmm. Because every one of us have been on that road trip where that one dude in the in the truck is like, yep, yep. it's on. <laughs> it's, it's on, yeah. Yeah, Adam's got a lot of stories like that. I mean, so Adam is a storyteller. If you guys don't follow Adam on any of his, his numerous podcasts, I think what your talent is is telling a, a – 
you're just in a phenomenal storyteller. And uh, and, and the, the jokes are dropped in like bombs, but it's your stories. And you looking at and analyzing life and having the audience stare back and go, oh, my God, he's got a point. It's, there's, there's always that, okay, you're he's it's right. Self-reflection. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, He's yep. talking about me. So is it true, Adam, that you're currently rolling a daily that is a Lincoln Aviator hybrid? Yes, black label. How? how well, the black, the black label, that's like saying, I'm going to eat bacon every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then your doctor calls you out on it, and you're like, yeah, but it's black label. And then all of a sudden, it's okay. Black label bacon. Well, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm a kind of point A to point B guy. I end up at Home Depot a lot. I don't drive anything too exciting in my, you know, day to day. But you no, that's not true. Hold on. That's not true. You were driving a nice Jag for a while. I don't know if they gave it to you or not, but good car. Yeah. I've had good cars. That's true. And the hell of a car I kind of got over it. I yeah, I just got into. I, I'm going to drive the race cars on the track, and I'll I'll, I'll keep it to that. And so, what what is your uh, opinion of the the hybrid? Like, what's your what's your feeling about them? Obviously, you're driving one. I want we wanted to get. I wanted to get into electrification at some point during this conversation. Maybe it's too early, but I don't know. Let's jump in. Where what what's your stance on electrification right now? The current crop of vehicles, and where do you see it going? And what's coming? Because you were an early adopter uh, with a Tesla, yeah. right? Didn't uh, didn't the uh, yeah. The X have a, a Tesla early on? Yes, um, for for years, still does. Um, they're good. I mean, they work, especially, you know, gas is seven bucks a gallon now out in, in L.A. or at least in parts of L.A. So it's good. That I, the plug-in hybrid, it's like good. You plug it in, it'll give you like 22 miles on the plug-in. It's, it's low like it needs to be. 60 something miles to kind of make a difference but it's like kind of a range extender like instead of filling up once a week you can fill up every 10 days if you you know dutifully plug it in you know when you come home at night so i do and and it's 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 a good truck and i would definitely you know move into a i don't know rivian or you know i don't know i don't know when tesla's trucks coming out it's uh yeah, it's supposed to be 23, but it uh, keeps getting pushed back. I just uh, spent a bunch of time in a Rivian last week, so our, our last episode was sort of my, my thoughts on that. And, and to your point about hybrid, I just bought my wife. We just ordered her a brand new car, a, a new uh, Grand Cherokee 4xE plug-in hybrid, and that's going to be our first jump into that. And I really think hybrids are kind of the place to be because you have both fuels, you have the ability to plug in. Like for her, her commute's 11 miles each way, so she can, you know, they have 25 miles of all-electric range. She could probably extend from that ten days to probably you know fourteen or twenty days if she's plugging it at home every night. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to to see what that's like to live with and see if that makes a, a for a good family slash commuter rig. I mean, Adam, you're you're kind of tight with uh, Jim Farley. At least I know you've done events and such with with Ford. Are you looking at the F-150 Lightning? Is that scratching itch? No, because Lightning's in its name, and it just reminds him of you. I don't, I, I don't yeah. think he hates me or anything like no, that. No, no, but he just can't. I he doesn't want that much lightning in his life. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, got away I think from it's you. a really cool piece. I like the idea that you can you know, reverse the telemetry and power your house with it, especially with whatever rolling blackouts we're going to experience in the next <laughs> few months in, in California. And it seems to be a really cool piece so i you know i don't know all the specs maybe it's about a 300 mile range i think it'll pull like fifteen thousand pounds obviously you're not going to get that kind of range 
off it. You know, for me, it's kind of like I need a truck to tow my race cars between Burbank, California and Laguna Seca. And it's probably about 300 miles plus or thereabouts the Laguna Seca. And of course you put the trailer and the race car and the equipment in the truck, you're not going to get 300 miles. So you'd probably have to charge it once, maybe even once and a half or something to get from LA to Laguna Seca. So it wouldn't be a good hauling vehicle. I have a Ford 350 Dually for that and the diesel, but I, I think it's a pretty good piece. And I like the idea that you could charge all your battery operated equipment off it, you know, power drills and uh, impact drivers and, you know, circular saws and stuff like you could technically own that truck and build yourself a cabin out in the woods and you wouldn't need a, a generator. No, you could power it with your truck, with your lightning. I mean, you, the exportable power off that thing is pretty amazing. The, they, Ford's done a really good job of kind of reimagining what uh, an all-electric vehicle not only is, but what it's capable of. And, and you know, we've said this on the show before. For me personally, it, like, get rid of the whole zero emissions spin, which we all know is not true, and get rid of the, you know, the, the politics out of it. Just look at the vehicle for what it is. And I said, you know, in the past, I've been in Jay Leno's Stanley Steamer steam car, mm-hmm. and I was the editor of Diesel Power Magazine, and I, you have a 42 Ford GPW, you know, with the odd fire V6 in it, right? I, the point is that electrification, I, I'm a car guy. I like steam. I like diesel. I like gas. Why can't I like electric, number one? And the number two is as long as it adds something to your life and adds a feature that's not available, let it stand on its own merits. Well, one of those things happens to be that exportable power, which can power a, a job site, a campsite, or your house in a blackout, to your point. So I think those are the things that people are going to be looking toward, right? Like, what does it do above gas or diesel that improves my life or my experience? They have to do that because they got to stand on their own. Adam, how, how much construction are you doing these days? I mean, you've got help. I mean, but, but you, were, you were never one to shy away from hammer and nails. Like, you'll, you've always gotten your, you know, your, uh, your hands dirty. Yeah, I always, it's always something I like. I, I guess there was a part of me that always felt like it needed to be a part of my life. Like, you, you know, like, you, you get into show business and you don't stop exercising or you don't stop reading the newspaper you you don't like stop doing some of the things that were part of your kind of that kept you sane that kind of kept you grounded and it was always an activity to me that made me have to use my mechanical mind and my logical mind and my problem-solving mind and I would kind of take that and then maybe apply it to the comedic side of things because you know making a documentary or even building up a stand-up routine it's really just kind of putting things together and so i guess there's a part of me that always was attracted to that and long after i i needed to do it or i could afford to have other people do it for me or whatever whatever it was i i just always thought even subconsciously like this is a good way to keep yourself grounded insane i recall going to your house in the in van nuys and and salivating over your i want to say it was a cr250 at the time you had it was it, you had a honda dirt bike right yeah you, uh the, the 
I've had a few. Uh, yeah, I had a few, but sorry. Go ahead. So, so my question was, because you're, you're an off-road guy, although I don't know you to really, you're, you're a track race guy. Like you said, you're at Laguna Seca. I've seen you at Button Willow, Willow Springs, all, all those places. Um, racing your Newman cars, which is a whole nother that's thing. A, yeah. That's a whole nother, Amazing. nother uh, episode. But what's your stance on off-road trucks? And I'm getting at, do you have any opinions about the today's super trucks? Like we're in the heyday of big horsepower, your TRX, your your Raptors. Raptors. I don't recall you ever having one of those. What? And I'm wondering why, because it seems like that's something that would fit in your wheelhouse. Well, I think the other thing is you look at all the vehicles, like let's say the supercars today or even Hellcats, right? You can't drive those cars. You can drive cars at the six, from the 60s and 70s and even 80s close to 10 tenths on the road in certain situations. Those cars are so above the bar, you can't. And you know, our thought is with the trucks, at least off-road, you can. it's one of the last bastions of being able to be a driver outside of the track where you can take a street-legal vehicle and, and really push it to its limits and drive it 10 tenths. What's your thought about that? And is that is that appealing? Do you, do you ever recognize that? off the track that's another place to kind of explore the envelope of some of these high-performance vehicles available today? Yeah, I've always appreciated it. Uh, I started off when I, during my construction days. I was always a mini-truck guy. I always had a Datsun. Yes. You know, mini-truck. Mini Everything, by the way, Adam, <laughs> every time we talk to a real truck guy, every one of them has a mini-truck They story. all go they all started. Yeah, all the guys yeah. on TV that do trucks, they all started Full circle, minis. everybody yeah. started in mini-trucks. Yep. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you know, gas was a thing and parking was a thing. Were you a I, Nissan you know, I, Datsun? Were you a Nissan Datsun guy or were you a Toyota guy? Yeah, I had a, I had a Datsun and then I had a Nissan, same thing, but one was called a Datsun right. and one was called Nissan. I didn't have enough money to afford a Toyota mini pickup truck back in the day. They weren't cheap or as cheap as, as a Datsun or a Nissan was. So I'd get myself my Nissan Datsun mini truck. I'd put a lumber rack on it. I'd put a bed box in the back. <laughs> and even though it had the little four banger, you know, kind of a gutless four banger in it, I could pile up 10 sheets of plywood on that lumber rack and fill it back with sacks of cement. And it's dragging ass at that point, though. Yeah, but those trucks are so overbuilt. You would think— You're dragging the bumper. You look at, like, a, what, a 720 or whatever, and you look at some of those trucks, and, dude, people beat the hell out of them, and you just can't even kill them. I put an Adelief in the back of my— pickup truck to the suspension just to throw an extra sack of concrete in there and not have the bumper dragon in the back. But yeah, those things were indestructible. They were, you know, pretty gutless, but they were just, they never broke. And I, I just learned to really love those little mini trucks. And, and they really helped me a lot when I wasn't making money and I didn't have enough for a big full size truck and, and so on and so forth. So I really had a, an affinity for those little durable, unbreakable little, you know, Japanese if you found trucks back in a, the day. A super clean one for sale, would you add it to your collection? Do you have that no kind of way. affinity for it? No. No. I, <laughs> I don't have that. Just like 
It's like when people go, no, wouldn't it be fun to go back and no, work out with no. your old improv troupe for free? And I'm like, nah. No, no. <laughs> Dude, it's like a, it's a che- it's that's the same thing for the off roads, right? It's a Jeep Cherokee XJ where everybody's like, oh, best thing ever, awesome, amazing, and you have these fond memories. And then you drive one today, and you're like, no, holy crap, they put these on the road, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you go back in time. Uh, Although I can't, vehicles of that I, '80s I vintage are not great. I can't see an old Datsun. I can't see an old Datsun sitting next to his uh, Lamborghini Miura. You know, that's worth over a million dollars. <laughs> Why not? You got to have a little bit. But there's uh, I, a story, if there's a story behind it, that's true. I guess. I guess with a lumber rack. They they also <laughs> had they also had. I mean, guys would squat those things and put double Webers on the side of them, and you know, Coney shocks, and go out and run ball hauling in those things. There was a whole <laughs> mini truck kind of ball hauling road racer kind of click vibe that was out there in the mid 80s is as well but i guess i just sort of fell in love with dotson and then that led to z cars and 2000 roadsters and then you know then newman race cars because he he drove for nissan hey have you uh have you driven the new z because that thing is badass yeah, I've not, I've been, I went to, you know, Tennessee outside of Nashville and did a whole Z event and saw the prototype and, and so on and so forth, but I've not driven it. I've heard it's a three liter V6 with a twin turbo that's got 400 horsepower. And I guess you could get a manual six, probably six, yeah, speed, six speed Yep, with it. And and it's a lot, you know, for I don't know forty seven thousand or fifty two thousand dollars. I mean, it's it's pretty indestructible. A lot of car, and it looks great. Money, yeah, and it looks good, and it's a good time to like be an enthusiast because there's a lot of really good stuff out there. And, and I'm guessing if that thing's a twin turbo, you could flash it, and uh, you know, I don't know, put a put a new intercooler or something on it, and get another seventy five horsepower. So uh, lots of fun stuff. Everyone kind of has an offering now, you know, Toyota, Supra, I guess, Z cars. I mean, we're kind of back to the Halcyon days, you know, the, the Supras and the Zs got really bloated and kind of soft and too, a little less tactile, a little too, you know, too luxurious in the, in the later, the mid, the mid nineties, the late eighties. And, they both kind of got lean and mean and stripped back down to their fighting weight. And it's kind of a good time that there's a renaissance with those cars. Well, there's also a renaissance with big muscle, which which I'm thinking back, like when, when you and I met, you just had, well, I guess when you first got some success at the radio station, you bought a 3 Series or you bought an M3. Maybe it was just a regular 3 Series. Yeah, and then you bought an M3. Then you bought an M3, right? And then you bought another M3 and maybe even another one of that. But you've also been... The, well, I the first was like, like the E36s that came over. Like yeah. those were like the driver's cars. But what, awesome. I'm, what I'm getting at is that I don't recall you ever being like a huge displacement guy. You were always kind of like a... Finesse? Yeah, finesse driver's car. Not just, yeah. you know, not a big Mopar Kind of <clears throat> I always, I always like the idea of kind of ringing the engine out and getting the tack way up and feeling how it would pull after you know fifty five hundred RPMs. And I was never uh, a V eight guy, but I did do, uh, I did have a chance to do a professional Trans Am race in a C seven R Corvette at Willow a few years back, and I <clears throat> tube frame. A Trans Am one car, and I, I also was able to do another race a few weeks ago at uh, Laguna Seca 
in a TA1 car, which was a Camaro, which was essentially the Corvette that had been rebodied. And that thing had like a 900 horsepower V8 in it, in a sequential Damn. shifter. Yeehaw. And it was really responsive. Like you've never heard a, never heard a V8 rev that fast. And, um, that was fun and, and had a whole new appreciation for, you know, American muscle after that. So Adam, can you name all the cars in your collection? I, I have my, or doubts. how many you have. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I can try. <laughs> um, I, I have 13 Paul Newman race cars. Oh, um, Lord. I have his two GT1 championship cars from 84, or sorry, 85 and 86. I got his TR6 Triumph that he won his first national championship in, in like 76. I have uh, a big twin turbo 280ZX V8 Z car, which no <clears throat> no Z had a V8 in it back then. It was kind of a rule breaker car, but it's a interesting piece. A couple of Oldsmobile Cutlass cars that he ran in Trans Am in 89 and, and 90, and some Pete Brock uh, BRE 510s and a couple of BRE Roadsters, some of the first BRE cars ever well the first bre race car ever built which was a 2000 roadster and some porsches that were newman s stuff but uh the 935 porsche that uh newman ran mama at is probably the kind of jewel in the crown and then it also won 24 hours of daytona outright with uh bobby ray hall driving and um brian redmond and um bob garrettson the guy who built the car and uh, it also won sebring outright uh, 12 hours of sebring back in like 83 so that car's probably got the coolest history when you started collecting these things so if you guys you probably don't know this maybe some do adam owns a film company called uh, chassis media and if you go to chassismedia.com you'll see all the documentaries that adam has produced adam's got an incredible director nate adams and winning the racing life of paul newman is a phenomenal doc that you guys put out. i want to see it was like 2015 or something um, yeah. and you can find that on all the streaming platforms. It's still out there. Um, but that is a fascinating story. And I would say that most people don't understand or don't know about Paul Newman, the actor's racing history. So, and I, we, we, we don't have enough time to get into it now. There, do you think there's people do, out, but like, out there listening who are like, what doesn't is, that guy have salad dressing? What's yeah, up with that's Paul the Newman? Same guy, right? It's the same right? guy. So it's a fascinating story. Yeah. The thing is, if you're into, like, I think our audience, yes, it's the Truck Show podcast. Ninety percent of it's about trucks. But we've said this before. If you're in, most of our fans are into all things automotive. Oh, absolutely. Right? Or, or in the you know case of Burt Garrison, the SR seventy one. Adam, we've had all sorts of awesome, not necessarily truck centric, just car guys on here who tell these other stories about their lives that our guys just eat up and they love it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't seen that, you're curious about Paul Newman's racing career, winning the racing life of Paul Newman. Also, he also did the 24 hour war, the which is, I consider the real Ford versus Ferrari story. Yep. So yep. The, we yep. all saw the great Matt Damon movie, but yep. this is a gritty behind the scenes look with footage that you will that not you've, see. You've never seen you've, before. You've never seen before. That's a cha on chassismedia.com, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. And also Shelby American 
American. Um, you can put two and two together. Which That's a phenomenal awesome, doc. By the way, and then one of the later ones is uh, one of the later ones is Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story. So That's about another the, good one, the, the black NASCAR driver, and yep. just so freaking amazing. So. Congrats on all this stuff, Adam. I wish we had more time with you. I know you got to go. Yeah, you're on Fox News <laughs> again. But, uh... <laughs> on, uh, yeah, we're working on a the, we're right in the middle of a Dan Gurney doc. Awesome, uh, Dan Gurney bubble. Too. Yep, the Gurney bubble. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the middle of a Gurney doc, and we're in the middle of a K Rock doc. So lots, so we've talked about. The K-Rock doc on the show before, because we have a ton of, obviously, K-Rock fans who came and followed Lightning over here who are car guys. Where does that stand today? Because everything that I've heard from Lightning about it is like, I can't wait. It just sounds amazing. We started on it, then we stopped on it, then we kind of started, and then we stopped, and now we're on. We we got some funding, and we're moving forward. I think it's going to be a four-parter. So awesome. It's going to be a big, it's going to cover all the, all the years and um gurney we're probably about halfway into as well so you can look forward to those coming out soon and it may be a little premature but he might be working on a <laughs> gail banks documentary <laughs> gail banks documentary really yes. i, I oh, understood that as yeah. gail banks documentary yes my friend gail who that may, i have lunch every two weeks that may have uh, we're just waiting on some some contracts huh. but that might be happening oh, yes interesting yeah trade, we just tra- break an embargo here on the truck I, show podcast? I, I might have yes uh, trade trading some contracts with uh, my man nate all right so uh adam also has been and is prolific in the podcasting space you don't say and Adam, you look up your name in podcast, and I think 78 podcasts come up of ones that you are the host of, not just the ones you've been on. What what are the ones that we send our people to? Obviously, CarCast is one of them. The Adam well, Carolla Show is another one. Well, I what, think that's the big one. Yeah. What are some of the things or what are the ones that are maybe more obscure that you want to send people to? I do Ace on the House. It's a home improvement podcast. I do one with uh, attorney Mark Yargos called Reasonable Doubt. Uh, which that is one's actually really good. Law. I've heard that one. And it's kind of fun, and he's fun. And uh, you can just go to adamcarolla.com. They're all, they're all there. Awesome. All right, so Adam, we got to cut you loose because you're a busy man, but uh, great catching up with you. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. And uh, if you would love, uh, or we'd love for you, if you would, to come back and tell lightning stories. I don't know if we had enough of those. Well, so today. here's what I think we do, because it's probably easier to get Adam's uh, time and attention if we go to him in Burbank to a okay, studio. Anytime. And then we can do a walk around of his cars. What do you think? Uh, would you uh, give yeah, us the green light on that? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, awesome. All right, Adam, you're the man. Great catching up. We will t- we will speak soon. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks, Adam. Bye-bye. Hey, Lighting. What? Did you hear? Uh, no. no, I did not. Are we, did we do news? The mailman came. Oh, damn. Let's read some email. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Now, is it the the mailman or Amazon? The email man. And the email man. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right, who's going first? You or me? You can go. All right, I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to start with a little Instagram. So I'm going to a little, little IG. This came from me to me. From uh, Kevin Golombiuski. Kevin Golombiuski. I think I'm getting your name right. That's a long-ass last name with too many consonants or too many vowels. I can't tell. Uh, Hey, you know, whenever you mentioned some band on the Truck Show podcast, I have to go and listen to it. 
Good call on the Bring Me the Horizon. It's so hard to find new music since all forms of radio have started to suck balls. I'm not even having any luck on streaming services anymore. Okay. Um, you're so you're welcome for they are one of my favorite bands. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you, drop you another little hint on a band. Sam Fender. Sam Fender. He's out of the UK and his new album, 17 Going Under. So good. All right. Can I drop a band name? So good. Sam Fender. An, an obscure Orange County uh, punk band. Okay. That came up at the same time as like Offspring and a bunch of those bands. But yeah. they never quite hit it big. And they just re, uh, released a new album. But their album from the uh, the 90s that I really like is still a great album. They're Wink. Wink? Wink. I've never even heard of them. And I grew up in Orange County. And I'm pretty sure that and Wink- And I listened to punk. I'm pretty sure that Wink got a little bit of airplay on K-Rock at one point. I thought you were going to tell me like Big Bad Voodoo but, Daddy uh, or something. No, no, no. That's, that's, they're well known. WankUSA.com if you want to check them out. The album I really, really like is called Get a Grip on Yourself. And it's uh, it's really good. Like I, I I found it in my I must have seen them at a bar or something like that or at a club or at something because I bought the CD and then had it ripped mm-hmm. onto my computer. I was going through my old library because you know everything's streaming today. Mm-hmm. I went through my library of old CDs. I'm like, I wonder what's in here that I forgot about. I'm like, oh, wank. And I listened to it. I go, damn, I forgot how good that album was. So anyway, wank. Get a grip on yourself. And again, they just released a new album. Okay. Uh, the the they got back together, whatever, so go listen to it. They're so for Kevin, thanks for the request, and, and uh, I'm going to give a little uh, a musical nugget at a, in each show. I think I'm going to drop a little bomb of, uh, of music. Are but, we moving from barbecue and food to uh, musical music, nuggets? You know, I think so, because uh, our listeners are in their, in their trucks all the time, and they're looking, they can't listen to podcasts all day, every day. They need uh, a break, a respite, so they, they yeah, need Culver's, some music. Because I just had some Culver's on my uh, trip, and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, when they're going to or from Culver's, yeah. Culver's, so good. Yeah, it's been a year and a half since I've had Culver's. Oh, I, I think I was with you when I had yeah. Culver's. Yeah. I forgot about the Butterburger, mm. and there happened to be a, a, a newer Col- uh, Culver's, in uh, Flagstaff, and I was like, okay, I'll bite. And I went, oh, yeah, it's so good. Why are there no culpers in Southern California? They just they're just, they're they just taking their time. I, uh, I had a listener just uh, reach out on a DM and said the, the first one, I think, was in Phoenix. Uh, so they're just They're making, coming. Yeah, I mean, they're from Wisconsin. I can't they're wait. spreading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, got one from uh, Matt Elise. He says, uh, if the TRX falls through, lightning should strike. And he sends us this uh, beautiful 2002... Ford F650 Fummins. It's a 5.9 Cummins, but it's a uh, six-door 4x4. Oh, man. I'm so in. Uh, Five days ago in Moreno Valley, which is local. Yeah? um, 90,000 miles on it. So it's very young. But check. I mean, come on. That's all you, dude. Flip it around. It's got the Super Cruiser nose on it. Six wheel. Look at that big old stack in the back. Oh, my. I'm so in. I'm so in. I'm so in. I'm so in. Yes, 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 please. So do I. It's the right color. It's black. Do I just tell Jackson Ellis? At uh, yeah, cancel Ellis, your TRX, cancel my order. Yeah, because that way this. some somebody will uh, else will want it. And it's uh, funny as I was worried about parking the TRX, and there's can you imagine that in LA? You might be able to park the TRX under that. Yes, it's so, or so in big. it, or on it. I mean, those don't look like uh, those look like God twenty two five wheels on it. I mean, it's it's a monster. There could be twenty fours. They're big. Yeah. Hmm. Big, oh, big that's old, cool. Yeah. Thank you for sending big old Alcoas. Uh, this email is from uh, Drew Reed, Homan and Thunder Buddy. Longtime listener, first time emailer. Longtime listener! Hey, you got it wrong. Because he writes, insert stupid voice. So he's not talking to you at all. He's talking to me and me. 
Oh, you're right. It's Holman and Thunderbody because right. you are Thunderbody, right? Because I can't be Lightning. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So this, but is... I like I like how he has in quotes right here or in parentheses, insert stupid Lightning voice. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they know me <laughs> there, too there well. There it is. Oh, that sucks. No, that's it's, awesome. It's taken me about eight months to get through the catalog of all your episodes. I must say, it was a very painful process, <laughs> and now I feel sorry for your wives. But keep the hey. stupid jingles coming because they are the only reason I'm here. Oh. <gasps> What? And he says, um, yeah, buddy. What happened we played in a long time? Yeah, buddy. And I'm going to give you a twofer. Yeah, buddy. Let's play one jingle that we haven't played in a long time. Because he's here for the bad jingles? Yeah. Okay. What's something obscure that you have on there that you've been dying to play and haven't had the right moment for? Uh, let me hear. I got one. You ready? Yep. Can you guess? Can you guess? The thing. <laughs> can, can you guess the thing? Have not heard that one in a while. It's been a minute. Uh, check out this sweet raptor, and that's from Drew. And this is a. Uh, this looks like what the hell? It's a Ford F one fifty Platinum with a Raptor badge. So that's not a Raptor at all. Uh, it would be a white uh, F one fifty Platinum on twenty twos with a gaudy uh, bed cover. Painted white and a raptor and badge. A raptor badge under the limited applique on the tailgate. And Why do you do that? that? I mean, if it were comedy's sake, I love it. But if I, I have a feeling that guy is not doing it for comedy's sake. No, not on a ninety thousand dollar truck. That's like well, guys that's who put AMG badges on non AMG cars oh. and M badges on non M oh, BMWs. Hold on, oh. hold on. Overlanding Sprinter van at Overland Expo. Yeah, AMG badge. Excuse me. I was like, what? That's lame. Why? It's lame. I don't know why. It's don't be like, lame like that, people. Seriously, stop it. I right, got this one here uh, from Jonathan Hemskirk, who hails from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. A lot of H's there. Says, uh, thoughts on Matt Ferret interview. Says, hey, guys. He's going back a few. Well, that's not that long ago. It's only 20, 20, okay. 20 weeks ago. Hey, guys, love the show and listen all the time. As I am working, I'm slowly catching up. I started over a year ago, and now I'm up to episode 208. Only okay. 20 more to go. A few thoughts I had listening to your discussion with Matt Farah. T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To some extent, I do agree that if you can afford justify for yourself, there is no reason not to buy a truck or any other vehicle. However, this is still part of the first world consumption and consumerism. We buy a ton of stuff we don't need to, and none of it's good for the planet or the species. Vehicles just happen to be one of the largest examples of this. You um, get nothing. Yeah. You lose. Good day, sir. Yeah. Parking up to one inch away from the line on either side only works if you're the only one filling their whole space. It doesn't work if everyone else is too. It becomes philosophical. Should you use as much as you can just because you can? Ooh. On a practical level, why aren't all the spaces just bigger? There are reasons like maximizing land use by designing for the average. A great idea if you're the owner of such a lot. Then there are the moral encouragement aspects of making large vehicles inconvenient so people use them less. Maybe a good thing in New York City. Probably useless stance in rural towns. My last point, road safety. It's hard to dismiss the fact that larger vehicles contribute to more pedestrian and cyclist deaths. Larger blind spots and taller impact zones make the things less safe for everyone but the driver. Man, this is a really downer email. Uh, this is the problem for both vehicle manufacturers and city planners to work together to resolve safer design streets, modern car technology, and better education can help, even if people keep buying large vehicles out. I also think we can all admit that a lot of people buy more truck than they need. I mean, we haven't talked about truck inappropriateness, so we're with you there. 
I'm glad to see the return of the midsize truck popularity, the new frontier, the Maverick, old standards of the Ranger, Colorado Canyon are all that most people need, in my opinion. That's right. These are your opinions. As long as they don't keep creeping larger, I also think it's a shame how overlooked the old regular cab shorty is these days. Okay, Mr. Smarty Pants. The reason the regular cab shorty is overlooked is because not enough people buy them and the government is essentially regulating them out of existence by having the cafe standards based on the footprint of the vehicle, which is why you can't have a regular cab Maverick because the way the footprint is with their CO2 emissions, you have to make them a little bit bigger and a little bit wider and all that kind of stuff. So Mm. it's not as easy as just saying regular cab shorty, come back to me. The manufacturers will tell you that they just aren't popular, but if you actually try to buy one, you'll find they offer way fewer discounts. Severely limit your options for upgrading them and do everything they can to get you into a four-door. I believe this has to do with them getting worse cafe scores because of their shorter footprint. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot of reasons, but uh, yeah. Just for fun, here's my driveway with my... 2014 Silverado regular cab short box. I sure would love a Colorado, but even that is still too long to fit here. When I back up all the way, if my bumper touches the porch, I overhang the sidewalk by about an inch. Anyway, keep on trucking and five stars. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. Uh, Thanks, Jonathan, from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, for your well. Fly out email <laughs> and all those really, really great points that you make about how uh, consumerism is ruining the world. I'm just crunching this email into a little tiny ball. You must be out of your mind. And Ramfield. Here's the thing. Thank you very much for writing us to uh, podcast at gmail.com. We honestly do appreciate that email, and it is your opinion, and it's only your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy! New Frontier, subject line from Ryan. So I'm sure my phone was listening to me when I started truck shopping late last year and the truck show popped up as a suggestion on my social media feed. I'll admit to initially being cynical toward the frontier since Nissan's the title sponsor. It was honestly at the bottom of my shopping list, but after spending time with everything it directly competes with, it handily won me over. Specifically, competitors could take notes from the frontier's cabin. It took a couple more months to find the trim configurator color that I wanted and to navigate the current market. But a little over a week ago, I took delivery. S-trim, base, king cab, 4x4. Nothing fancy, and that's just how I like my trucks from Ryan L. And here is a photograph of Ryan in his brand new Frontier. Ooh, it looks like I was that red alert. What a great color. Congratulations, Why is Ryan it just L. me clapping? Hey, guys, by the way... Clap, uh, clap with me, listen, just, just briefly. If uh, you have bought a uh, Frontier or a Titan, uh, send us your address. We will send you a truck show sticker for the back window. And also, uh, we want to know so we can tell uh, our friends over at Nissan that, yeah, we sell your trucks. It works. It works. People believe us. Yeah. Oh, you're next. All right, I got this one from uh, Brian Jackson. Says, front license plate wrap. Says, hey, have you heard California just approved wrapped front plates? At licenseplatewrap.com. Yeah, I have heard. So if you haven't seen them, they're basically a big license plate sticker that you stick on your bumper. So like in the case of, let's say, your Tesla that has a shapely nose on it and the license plate bracket looks awful, you can put an awful looking sticker on the nose that conforms to the body shape. So in theory, this looks cool. I've already looked into it. And uh, in theory, it's it's cool. But in practicality, it looks ridiculous. Yeah, it, uh, it just molds to your body lines. It makes silly. your car look so cheap, so yeah. cheesy. It says, uh, I don't think truck guys care too much about this, but this could be relevant to the buy vehicle owners. I cannot relate as I've only ever owned trucks my entire life. I did buy a wrecked 76 GMC Sprint in a moment of weakness, 
But that was only to rob the uh, 350 TH350 for my <laughs> 81C10. That does bring up the debate on if an El Camino is a truck. I think we determined it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is registered commercial in California, but so is a gas bridge line. Sorry. I didn't mean to use a swear word. I get angry and judgmental every time I see ridge asterisk, asterisk, asterisk on the uh, road. I would like your opinion, though. I just acquired an 87 R30 Dually with a 10-foot service body. I want this to be my main work rig, elevator mechanic. It has an anemic 5.7 liter. I would like to swap in a 7.4 liter or a 6 liter LS. The 454 is a no-brainer as it was factory option and won't be a problem for California smog. Is it worth it for a 6.0 considering needing to change fuel tanks, replumb, visit smog, graph, et cetera? Uh, I would say no. I would put the 454 no, in myself. Yeah. Uh, the 454s of that era didn't make great power but would definitely be better for towing, hauling than the 350. Yeah, but there are a bunch of uh, performance parts for uh, the old rat motor. Um, so I'm pretty sure that you could get decent power out of it. And the 454s were torque monsters, and everything fits in that truck. It lines up nicely. And, you, again, going to the referee is only opening up a can of Pandora's Worms that you do not need. Pandora's Worms. You like that? I'm going to go see Pandora's Worms uh, later tonight. Yeah. I knew you would. Uh, I absolutely enjoy the show and keep on mounting those parameters. Says, uh, P.S., do you know of any place to find Chevy love parts? I broke my turn signal cam while haphazardly installing a tack on the column. No luck on the interweb so far. I have a project love, and these trucks don't get any love. See what I did there? In the aftermarket with stock drivetrains. Yeah, buddy. And that's uh, from Brian J. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I don't know any particular Chevy love love places out there, but I would say um, if any of our listeners love the love. Yeah, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or... Five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. 657-205-6105. Last email is from Trevor. New intro effing rocks. Omar's voice has always sounded annoying to me, so it's a nice break. Well, Trevor, here's the good news. We're keeping the old intro. Oh, and I made it into the circular basket yeah, there with your email you, there, Trevor. I missed? The couch. Oh, I hit the couch. Hold Darn on. it. You want to play that alternate intro while I throw this away for you? Sure. Basket! People want to go off-road, so they better have that four-wheel mode. Others need to carry a load, or something else that's got to be told. We don't care if you drive a heat. We don't care if it's a brand new Jeep. We put the G in the GMC. Aw, shucks. Let's talk trucks. You know what I say? What? Mo Banjo. You got that right. Holman, as you know, I've been dying to talk car audio because I have to do it like every 20 episodes. And now it's been like 40 episodes since we've talked car audio. So would you oblige and let me speak with Manville Smith at JL Audio? Only if we figure out what the heck JL stands for. Uh, Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think we can ask him. I'm in. Dial, please. Hello? Hello, Manville. It's Lightning at Home at Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Hey, how you guys doing? We are great. We are outstanding. Can't wait to talk JL. But first, we've got a quick intro, so don't move. Welcome to the parts department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, grill, tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, gears, belts, and your wife warns you not to... 
and then you want to come back. Now, our wives are stoked on this one, right? No, they don't know about it because it wasn't on your list. It wasn't on my list. No, what do you mean? The it wasn't intro on wasn't on the list. Audio wasn't on there. Oh. This is a gray area. Just go out and spend money. She didn't know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I'm going to do it on my uh, PayPal slush fund. Ooh. Yeah. No, no, no. Not slush fund. Walking around money. Walking around money. That's I right. see. That's how it works. That's uh-huh. how you buy audio uh-huh. equipment. So, Manville, when I started reaching out to uh, friends that I knew in and around JL, like Bryant and guys like that, they're like, no, 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 you don't want to talk to me. You got to talk to Manville. Like, you, when you talk, <laughs> when you talk JL, it's all about Manville. He's been there for 35 years. I said, well, there's that's no impossible. way. Be- I go, yeah. First off, JL's like 18 years old tops. He's yeah, like, because no. when I was in high school, it was JL was a thing. And I'm like, ah, look at this, this new brand that came out. And then we realized, Hey, wait, when did we get so old and when did JL get to be around for so like, long? Like, what in the hell? So, wait, we, we, first thing we have to do, Manville, is rewind the clock just a little bit. And the Wayback Machine. The, the Wayback way back Machine, machine. Yes. You, you got to tell us the beginnings of JL Audio because we've always known JL as being the kings of bass, the kings of sonic excellence. I'm just giving you taglines. But, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> they work, yeah. Yeah, well, what, how? Like, give us the backstory. Okay, well, I joined in 1986. Um as a salesman at one of the retail stores that was related to uh, JL Audio. It was called Speaker Warehouse in Hollywood, Florida. That's kind of where I came into the picture. But the company, JL Audio, dates back much earlier than that, even, to 1975. What? It's one of those tip- yeah, it's, it's one of those typical garage entrepreneur stories where a couple of uh, high school buddies uh, were, during one summer, decided to buy some speaker parts and build some speakers because they were interested in loudspeakers and uh, they went to a local flea market and started selling. That's, that's, that's the very humble beginnings of, of JL Audio. And they had what did JL Audio uh, stand for? Was that the name of the company well, the whole way? Predictably, there were two friends and one of them's name started with J, Jim Birch, and the other one was Lucio Proni, uh, who's our CEO and chief engineer. Uh, so J and L formed uh, the company name. Audio. Lucio audio just sounds so much sexier. It, it's very, yeah, very, uh, very Ferrari, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Lucio was actually born in Italy. He came to the U.S. when he was a, a very small child. So he's uh, quite American in reality. But uh, yeah, his, uh, his heritage is Italian, hence, hence the interesting name that ends in vowels. <laughs> and wh- where did that take off? So they start in 75 and they grow mm-hmm. quietly, but then it explodes. I mean, I was into car stereos. Mm-hmm. Hell, I worked for a company called Car Fidelity owned by Ken and Sven. Uh, these two guys out in the, uh, in the, they were in the San Strangely, they also had a K&S audio. Right? Was it, nope. they, no? they did okay. not have their own brand. Okay, I know they, checking. I don't think it was, no, they went out of business before they get anything like that launched. But they had about eight locations, I want to say, in Southern California. And I, then I, I mean, I was obsessed with car audio through the 80s, 90s, and even now. You still are. Like, I, I still am. Yeah. Like, it's just a passion of mine. Now, uh, this is lightning speaking. I, I love it. I don't fully understand all the new tech meaning. And we're going to get into like DSPs, digital, digital signal processors, which we need your expertise on. And um, But I just, I love it. And even today, as good as the stereo systems are in a lot of brand new vehicles, they still don't even hold a candle to what you guys are producing. Yeah, the uh, the budgets and, uh, and the amount of power that we work with are definitely an advantage uh, you know, in terms of designing better speakers and, and having bigger amplifiers and then having the expertise to apply um, all that, you know, with, with things like DSP. We, we can do amazing things with audio today that weren't possible five years ago 
and certainly weren't possible back when you were all excited about car audio as a young man. But, you know, Speaker Warehouse was the offshoot from JL Audio. It, became, it was a retail store that the two partners started. And that's where they got into car audio. And this was in the, in the late 70s, uh, early 80s. And they began to sell, you know, the stuff that was available at the time. Some, you know, head units and six by nines that went in the rear deck and all that kind of stuff. But then something happened in the mid 80s that the power revolution kind of occurred in car audio. And the first car amplifier started to come out. And they were 30 or 40 watts a channel back then, and that was a lot. Um, but they opened up a whole new world of capability into what you could install in a car. And with Lucho's experience in designing speakers, he was able to take component speakers, install them in cars in very creative ways, and put these uh, early car audio amplifiers. And he developed a reputation in the local market here in South Florida for building these crazy, awesome car audio systems that got really loud and, and sounded fantastic. So that's kind of where the whole snowball started to get bigger for the guys and they really became, you know, the go-to place for outrageous car audio in, in Broward County, Florida. And then, you know, a few years later, you start to see the beginnings of the mini truck revolution. And, you know, that was a big deal in the late eighties and, uh, and early nineties. Um, lots of big systems were being installed. The speaker warehouse was really doing a lot of business um, with that clientele as well. The jail audio side of the business took a back seat for a few years, but then it started to come back because Lucho wanted to design some products that were better suited for car audio applications. So he started to actually work with companies that built speakers in the U.S. to design specific models to his spec. And that's where the first uh, JL Audio car component subwoofers came about. That was really a big deal uh, from a company history perspective because it really laid the groundwork for what would really take us to national prominence. Then a few years after all that was going on and the, the speaker warehouse team was very successful selling JL Audio subwoofers and enclosed suds at truck boxes, you know, the wedge-shaped little boxes that went behind the seat of a single cab truck that were you know, a big deal for a long time. That was every of, speaker system in high school was yep, a dude with exactly. a regular cab truck who had their uh, jail uh, wedge speaker shoved between behind the uh, front seat. But that speaks volumes, and uh, ex- excuse the pun, because you guys were throwing bass that the other guys couldn't do um, in, a, in a smaller application. As I say, in, in, in creative ways that the others weren't going to do. I mean, you right. could buy your, your speaker, but to have the interesting enclo- uh, enclosures and mounts and places to put it, and, uh, you know, that was the stuff people were excited about, is they, they envisioned non-OEM speaker placement in ways that hadn't really been done before. Yeah, and they were getting SPL where other guys weren't. And really low bass and, you know, the whole excitement. The bass music was becoming a big deal back then. It was big in the mini truck community. Uh, So, yeah, there was tons of excitement about the performance that we were now able to put in audio in a car. You know, in a car, you you can make a couple of small woofers produce outrageously awesome bass. And uh, and it's incredibly fun. It's visceral. You know, it shakes your body. It shakes the vehicle. It's uh, it's exciting to to in a way that home audio isn't because it's much harder to get that kind of sound pressure in a home. In a tiny little car cabin, you can you can make bass really happen without without a ton of power, um, which we didn't have back then. But the amplifiers were still pretty small. So, yeah, we were pretty good at, at optimizing the performance of those systems, and Lucho was exceptionally good at designing subwoofer drivers that could be used in small enclosures. 
because uh, that really was the secret, you know, getting baits out of a small enclosure. Everybody was trying to cram big woofers into boxes that were too small, and they made lots of punchy baits, but they didn't make a lot of low bass. And he really developed the right recipe for designing subwoofer drivers that worked well in small boxes. And that's kind of where everything really started to gel. Another thing that happened in the late 80s was the car audio competition scene began to happen. And Speaker Warehouse became very well, very involved in that using JL Audio subwoofers. And then Speaker Warehouse did really well at, an, at, a, at the national competition in 89. Uh, we won four first place trophies and the best of show. And a which bunch of people said, we, uh, where people, do I get those JL speakers? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We were from South Florida. This is before the internet, right? So you had to use like smoke signals and, and mail to, to communicate with one another. <laughs> you mean there wasn't this <laughs> so, thing called the internet back then? Not yet. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Right. It's, you it's actually, so you imagine a world. You, it's funny. You think <laughs> of some of the, our younger listeners right now. They, they grew up, they never knew what it was like not to have the AOL man walk across the screen with a bunch of screechy noises. And then you picking up the phone, and or your mom picking up the phone. Mom, I'm on AOL. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was the beginning. I got twenty eight eight, man. I'm so fast. Yeah, but listen, before then, you had to be either on TV or what are you going to magazine? Write, you got magazine or write yep. a letter to your buddy. Yep. Yeah, really, really yep. great audio system. But it's funny because you don't you don't think about that. Like information and especially marketing is so at our fingertips today. It's so easy mm-hmm. in social media. I mean, granted, you have the, the the space is noisier, right? So you're competing with other messages. But the ability to self-publish to get something out there is so different now. It's funny to think just 30 years ago, none of this existed. None of it. And and what you would do as a fledgling company back then, I remember you know, even being a magazine guy in the early 2000s where people would be writing us letters saying, hey, I own this company. I have this product. Would you please review it in the magazine? Because magazine maybe there weren't really a lot of tv shows especially nothing that supported yeah there was no the car tv right. back no. then yeah speed speed wasn't yeah. even around yet yeah. no i mean it's just it's amazing to think today um i remember a time where none of that existed and there are people today who n- never lived when none of that existed so it's hard for them to imagine how would you i, mean, I guess it's the way that i, I don't want to make it totally ageist but the way that we would think of like how did people get mailed during the pony express days or how did a you know? How, how did? A, no, but that's how it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. just crazy. You well, waited for the magazine when the magazine came into the store every month. It was like, oh my god, we get to see what the rest of the world is doing. Yeah, I mean, I totally. I lived and died by Car Audio magazine. Like, oh yeah. my god, and there was twelve volt or some. Or think about it, if you were a small company like a JL Audio and you had a customer make it right. It wasn't your own build. It wasn't something you controlled. The fact that your message was resonating because somebody bought it from you built a project, and then it got into the magazine further validating who you were in the space, and it wasn't even part of your marketing. You're like, man, we've made it. Like the, the fr- I got to have to imagine the first <laughs> time you saw that in a magazine and it wasn't your doing, you were like, yeah, this is it. We're here. Yeah. I mean, it, we were so excited when we put our first ad in a magazine. You know, we scratched together the money to do an ad, um, talking about how our subwoofers had won so many trophies at the at this national competition and then people were were calling us uh, to ask about the product from parts of the country that we had never touched before. So we were kind of a little local regional operation. We were selling to a couple of dealers in Florida and that's all we were doing in 1991. Um, but after we won at the IASCA finals, then the phone started ringing. People, people got a hold of us and, uh, and all of a sudden our dealer base started to grow a little bit at a time. And the company took off from there. When, when I moved over to the JL Audio side of things uh, full time from the Speaker Warehouse side, 
was in uh, 1990, and um, we had really six employees at Jam wow. Audio. And, 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 you know, I've been amazingly fortunate to watch the company grow to over 700 employees. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you guys have oh, uh, wow. numbers on your badges? Where you're li- are you like the number two? <laughs> the number three, two, three. three. Yeah, I got, a, I got a pretty low employee number. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. <laughs> so, oh, I have so many questions. How did, when these guys launched the JL Subline, um, mm-hmm. and that was all done in Florida with Florida technology, right? I mean, you weren't like just re- yeah. rebadging an existing subwoofer that you were getting out of some home stereo, which a lot of guys no. were doing, I think, at that time. And, and then, and then the other, the follow up is, so it's the locality. But how did the the guys develop a subwoofer for a car application? Like, what's different? Is it the shape of the cone, mm-hmm. the coil? I don't know. Um, good questions. Um, very good questions. The uh, the fundamental differences in a good car audio subwoofer are a higher moving mass, um, heavier cones and coils, et cetera, uh, in order to get the, the resonance low and a very compliant suspension that allows you to get good excursion in a small box. And, uh, and then you balance all the parameters of the woofer to work in a small box volume and get good extension considering the car's acoustics into the whole equation. So it's not exactly a simple answer to your question, but it, there's a lot of thought that goes into optimizing. And Lucho was absolutely a genius about it, but there was a second part of it that was really important too. Um, car audio is kind of unique in that we ask the, the installer to be a, an enclosure designer, right? He's got to build a custom box to put the woofer in. So what we did at JL Audio that was really the revolution, I think, was we created a, a technical manual for our dealers that gave them very complete information about what enclosures they could build with each of our woofers and how they compared to one another. So the, it could be used as a sales tool with a customer to explain to a customer why the dealer was recommending a particular woofer. And then it could be used as a technical resource to design a good enclosure right from the start. And that's really the combination that worked was the the drivers that were really well suited for car audio applications combined with technical info that the dealers needed to get good results. It was all kind of black magic back then. And we kind of turned it into a, into a science. I mean, Um, I'll recall back in those days, Manville, I had a paperback book and it described how to build and calculate fifth order enclosures, sealed enclosures and what, and all these things based on the cue of the speaker and all these other things. Sure. And I mean, You'd get, unless you were really technically inclined and you knew your math, there's no way that you were going to pull off what this was designed. So what you're saying is designed. that book was never opened again and was super dusty. Uh, no, I yeah, mean, there I were, went through There were I, two books back then. There was a David Weems book, which was kind of basic. They used to sell at Radio Shack. Yep. And I think you're talking about the loudspeaker design cookbook. That's it. Which is a great book. Great book. <laughs> That's it. Full of math. Full of math, right? Make your eyes cross and you want to fall asleep. But it really, ha- it really had the the hardcore info in it that you needed to be a good designer. But you're right. Most people couldn't get past the math. What we did is we did the math for them for all our woofers. And we made recommendations in real terms, like giving them uh, letter grades, for example. If your customer is an SPL monster, this enclosure is an A, and this smaller enclosure would be a B. 
Yeah, I think guys uh, were the back then. It, even even now, I think, unfortunately, you know, with our with our incredible technology at our fingertips, guys are still just looking at a space like let's make a box that'll fit under the back of our Silverado, you know, rear seat, and they'll just make one that fits the app. They'll like, hey, it fits. It 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 goes in this physical space, and they put two speakers in. The measurements are the measurements. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to buy some shallow speakers that fit in there, and hopefully it sounds okay. And maybe I'll I'll fix it with some DSP if I'm smart <laughs> enough to do that. Right? You guys are yep. taking a, a very different approach. You know. Well, we didn't have DSP back then, so you didn't have that crutch to, to help you, right? So you had to get the box design kind of right from the get go. Nowadays, yeah, you have some tools that can help you. Let's say optimize something that inherently isn't perfect, right? Uh, back then, you really had to get it right from a fundamental perspective because you didn't have all the fancy, fancy tools. Well, also, think- today, you know, you talk about thin woofers. You know, it's kind of, you know, big deal in our lineup. We have a lot of great thin subwoofers that are great for pickup trucks. You know, to make enclosures under the seats, for example, of an extended cab truck or a or a crew cab truck. Um, they work in tiny box volumes compared to what we had back in the 90s. So dealers are kind of spoiled today because they can take a fairly big woofer, put it in a fairly small box, but there's always a trade-off because physics, you know, kind of works that way. And the trade-off is you need more power when you have a tiny woofer or a big woofer in a tiny box. You need more power. Fortunately, power is a lot less expensive than it used to be back in the 90s. So now we have much bigger amps and we have to design the speakers to handle that power and then they can work in a tiny box and you can get amazing bass from very small enclosures. I think the the hard part for you today is in most vehicles, because the head unit is integrated into mm-hmm. the vehicle itself, you're fighting that, but you're also fighting space constraints because as the vehicles have, yes, mm-hmm. in some ways gotten more cavernous, there's more features and, and luxury like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. an under you know, seat storage space that you can use or behind the seat against the rear cab wall, but that might hold some tools, or it might have a lid on it mm-hmm. from the factory, or it right. it's an awful shape because they're trying to hide it under the way this, the the shape of the seat cushions, and so you have to work within that. So I would imagine that getting the box right is you know part of it, but it's never going to be right. You're going to have to use DSP and other things to optimize so that whatever you install into that space, because you don't have a lot of real estate. You know, today's vehicles are, or even you think under the seat, well, now you've got the the computers. Might be a body you, control module hidden well, under there. Yeah, body control module, yep. the inflators for the airbags. You might have mm-hmm. um, sensors under there. You there might, might be a heating duct, which happens a uh, lot. heating duct. There's the, you know, the switches mm-hmm. and wiring for the heated or air-conditioned cooled seats. So all those obvious places that used to exist, even though the vehicles are, are more sizable, are not necessarily options because they just don't have the, the especially the vertical space to to put any type of enclosure down there. And if they do, you, again, you're working with a really thin speaker in order to fit it, and then your volumes aren't going to be probably where you want them. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, trucks today, um, the space utilization is exceptionally good from the factory. They don't leave any space unused, so it doesn't leave a lot of extra space for a big subwoofer box. And also the way people use trucks today. I mean, a truck today is, you know, it's at work during the day. It's uh, picking up the kids from school and then it's used to tow the boat on the weekend to the lake. Um, you know, you can't take up a lot of room or, or mess with the utility of the interior for most customers. 
it's not like a bunch of kids in the 80s with a Mazda pickup, you know, putting four woofers behind it. <laughs> well, and you're looking at, so, you know, you just, uh, you know, if you go to uh, joaudio.com and you go and scroll through the stealth box, there there might be one vehicle application like a Wrangler that has four or five options or a Silverado that has a bunch of options. And Well, it's not, just in the Chevy category, there's 37 stealth boxes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now I don't want to scare anyone and think like, oh, my God, I can't sift through all that. They are specific to like if you have a Silverado, a two-door, four-door, Well, yeah, four-ohm, yeah, two-ohm, yeah. and then if what the body style is, crew cab, extended cab, or, or you know, a, a two-door Wrangler JL or something and, like that and, versus a four-door. And, and let's, Manville, let's pause right here because that's a whole category that I really wanted to focus on for a second because sure. car, car audio can seem very scary. And, and that's why there are surprisingly today still – as um, car audio shops, not as many as there were in the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands, but they still are out there. Um, but you mean it, the one at the back of Best Buy? No, I mean like <laughs> there still are mom and pops, you know, and um, and and some of them that are good, like uh, you know, if, to find concepts by our buddy Gary, like he's sure. banging it out, <clears throat> really high end stuff, and he is booked for two years. You know, people that really want really good high end stuff. Anyway, but like the the flyby nights, the head and two guys, they're all just Best Buy or, or you know whatever. Um, that's the only. You get the really good, and then just the the quickie, and everything else in between faded away. But what my my question is is about the stealth boxes. How did that come to be? And then how do you mm-hmm. guide someone through that so they're, it's not a scary process, and they can buy something at jlaudio.com and have it at the end of the weekend. They've got an, an amazing sounding system very easily. And something that's integrated to maybe what their existing head unit is, so that from all other appearances, the vehicle is the same. Correct. And today, I mean, there's so much integrated with the head unit uh, that the factory puts in, you know, warning chimes and other functions of the vehicle are all running through there. And, uh, you know, you, you really, in most cases, can't replace the head unit easily. So we have lots of integration options available. We make a line of integration products that can help do that. All other companies like um, Amp of America and uh, and and a few others, Mav uh, uh, TV, for example, they make great interfaces that can connect to a factory system and give you a clean signal for your aftermarket product. So there's the consumer has plenty of options for making aftermarket audio work in a modern vehicle without disturbing the technology that works through the audio in the car. So that fortunately is uh, is being handled by lots of innovative people in the industry, including some in our own engineering team. The stealth box thing, it, it really emerged from, from our experience working with fiberglass in the competition years when we were competing in the late 90s and, or in the late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, and then we started to look at some problems with smaller vehicles. Back then, Toyota trucks had very little room behind the seats, for example. So we designed a, a fiberglass enclosure that went behind the seat of a Toyota truck, and you only lost one click of seat travel. And that was a big deal. Uh, we called that a smart box. That was the predecessor to the stealth box. Um, we came out with a couple other models for mini trucks. They were pretty successful, but they were kind of big and expensive. Um, and then we came out with the first stealth box, which was actually for a Ford Mustang, and then followed that with some models for some trucks. And the models for the trucks really took off, and it just had to do with the fact we were able to fit under under a rear seat, for example, a box that could produce really great sounding bass. And the secret is that with fiberglass, you can make the walls very thin while keeping the rigidity of the enclosure really good. So Fiberglass can then mold to all the nooks and crannies and curves and shapes of the area where the box has to go, taking advantage of maximum airspace 
keeping the wall thickness down so you can have maximum internal volume and you get better performance from the woofer that you put in it. Combine that with some tricks we have in terms of how we load the subwoofers, you know, the orientation of the woofer in the cab, et cetera, and the fact that it's being hidden away so that it doesn't draw attention to itself and doesn't interfere with your use of the vehicle. All those things became, you know, the selling points for Stealthbox. And since then, since the 90s, Stealthbox has been a hugely important product line for us, for our dealers, and trucks are by far the number one segment that stealth boxes sell into. I know we're biased, um, but uh, we're not surprised by that. Yeah. And it's trucks and big SUVs. Ironically, the big SUVs that people buy, you know, Tahoes and Suburbans and, and things like that, Expeditions, you know, people don't want to give up any room because that's why they bought the vehicle. <laughs> you know, so or, or even come up with... the Jeeps. I mean, in the Jeep category, because uh, everybody's overlanding and piling all mm-hmm. their gear in there and their family has to fit in there and go on adventures... They want the sound, but again, space is at a premium. They don't want to lose any of that. And so the Stealth Box is an amazing option for Jeep owners. Yeah, and safety is also important. Uh, Stealth Box is bolt into the vehicle. We, we engineer the mounting system um, you know, with steel plates that, that reinforce the enclosure and actual bolts that go through areas of the vehicle. Everything's been thought out. We supply brackets where necessary for, for hard mounting the product. So it's a very safe installation. It's not a, it's not a projectile sitting in your hatch that can... That, that could hurt you in a in a collision. Or it's like funny that. that you say that, Manuel, because I was doing some research, and I got to be honest. So I'm, I'm picking up if all knock on wood, if anything, if everything goes as planned, in a couple of weeks, I'll be the proud owner of a a TRX, a Ram TRX, and so wow, Hol- Holman. Yeah, yeah. So Holman has a so working at at, uh, at Truck Trend, and they had a long term loaner. He's been driving around a TRX for the last I don't know almost a year now. Well, how long have you had this? Uh, yeah, nine months. Yeah, like nine that. months like that. And so I've fallen in love with his truck. Basically, is what happened. And so um, I love the nineteen speaker system that's in his TRX. I think they really did not. And I'm not a big HK fan. It's Harman Kardon in there. Are you going for your loins longing for a stealth box and a TRX? Is that where we're going? I'm with going this? this is where I'm going. But I, there's a there's a real story behind this. So the first thing I do is I call and I go, I love the base. I think they have a single tan that's in the back behind the passenger rear seat. I think it's against the firewall or something. I don't know. But it's really a really nice system. Um, they've got decent signal processing. They've got it's maybe it's a little overdone, but it's for all the stereo systems. Because my my wife changes cars every two years. She's got a new lease, so I've had a lot in the last ten years of a lot of cars listening to them, like with a Telluride being the worst, like just awful. Um, so in his t- in, in 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 Holman's TRX, I I really like it, but the base is good and it's. Great for a stock system, but it's not what I prefer. So I reached out to some buddies and said, where am I going? What, what should I ha- – first, how do I even integrate into this? You know, What is the system called that not you – Uconnect. Uconnect, right? How do I integrate into the Uconnect? So I I'm, you're not touching that, that giant 12-inch head unit, right? So I need to tap into that. And then where do I put the base? And I thought, do I get a custom box built out of MDF, medium-density fiberboard, that is, mm-hmm. you know, with my – plexiglass rear lit nothing like having thing. a $90,000 truck with a uh, home build uh, MDF enclosure that's the thing is that so all of a sudden I don't remember if someone suggested I, one of the guys did suggest he's like have you checked out the stealth box yes and I looked I, I went right to jail audio and I'm like <gasps> okay I need I, that looks like what I'm looking for Absolutely. right and I started doing and I saw a couple of installations and one of the ones 
uh, it was some guys in like, I don't know, it was Texas or wherever they were. And I wish the video was better. It was a crap video on YouTube. But what I did notice is that these guys at the stereo shop, they were bolting it in and it had stock bolting mounts uh, in your box that bolted in from the sides through, I want to say like what held the seat brackets on. And I go, that's really interesting because I have been in my in my old dually. I smashed the brakes I had for trying to avoid an accident. I had great Willwood brakes and I came to a stop of accident avoided, but my box that was under my rear seat that by the way was MDF, the whole thing slid all the way yep. forward. And if it had somebody had their legs back there, they would have gotten their ankles crushed. So No yep. bueno. I love the fact that they've thought, that you guys have thought all the way through that. So it's not just the audio. Well, and the fact that, you know, that RAM underseat storage on that particular truck, on the, the DT model 1500s, not just TRX, but all of them, when you put the the stealth box in there, dude, two 10TW3 D8 subwoofers, 800 watts of power handling. That should give you the base that you're looking for. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I want, and so the base in the in the RAM, not just that one, but any RAM with a 19-speaker system, the base is pretty good. Like for a stock system, I was impressed. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't it doesn't hit you like I like, right? And so I, I'm not listening to a lot of hip hop. I just like rock, and I really like it to kick, it to feel tight, and the whole thing. And um, and I I'm familiar with you know like selling JL back in the day. I know these woofers are capable of it. So I'm I'm excited, hopefully, to try something so, like this. So here, I'm on jlaudio.com, and I'm looking at the box that you would uh, be putting in the TRX. Okay. And this is one of those things where you read and you go, these guys really get it. From the description, uh, our engineers welcome the challenge head-on developed a subwoofer solution that fills your crew cab with loads of deep bass output. Featuring an all-fiberglass sealed enclosure design, the Stealth Box houses two of our revolutionary 10TW3 thin-line subwoofers and installs neatly under the seat without compromising rear seat comfort. Rear seat folding and recline are unaffected, and here's the best part. We even left a spot on the enclosure that's perfect for a clean, hidden amp installation. Right, so it's it's not just... it's You guys are really thinking about the holistic approach to giving, you know, you've already said, it's hard to find real estate, and it's hard to find a place for a subwoofer, let alone an amp. Well, you kind of solve two problems by having this fiberglass box that the stealth, the stealth box has two woofers, and then you've molded a place, of a landing platform or a mounting platform for an amplifier so that somebody doesn't have to drill in the back wall of their cab or something, and they can fit that in there. That's That's pretty exceptional. Yeah, you know, because the space utilization is so good in today's trucks, we have to think that way when we design the boxes. We have to think, where's the installer going to put the amp? And if there's no good space to do it because there's modules on the back wall or whatever it might be, you know, we, we need to think about it in the design of the enclosure so that we provide that solution. So conveniently, you can put a really nice JL audio amplifier in that spot and uh, you can power your whole system from it because we make multi-channel amps that can power, you know, lots of speakers. Um, or you can just That's put a subwoofer amp there. So you can do, you you can build any kind of system, just a subwoofer add-on, and then later, you know, go with a multi-channel amp and actually amplify your front speakers with better and change the speakers to better speakers in the front of the vehicle and really take the system to another level. You're right that the factory systems, particularly the premium ones like the HK system in that vehicle, are much better than they used to be. But believe me, they don't even hold a candle to what you can do with uh, with an aftermarket system in terms of power, 
clarity at high volumes. Well, especially uh, clarity at, at high volumes. That That's a big yeah. thing. And then the other side of it is with uh, modern vehicles today being so insulated, we're talking about laminated glass, triple door seals, all the mm-hmm. all the um, um, although the door skins, the inner door skins are not typically, and the outer door skins are not. They have just a piece of. It's like a foot by a foot at most of that uh, dampening material. Well, I, I'm not. Listen, I'm talking about the stock vehicle. I'm not talking about. Of course, there's always going to be overhead for you to do something with it. My point is, the cabs are well built, solidly constructed, using laminated glass, triple door seals, and a lot of sound deadening which means there's less things to vibrate and take away from your enjoyment. So when you do pump up the power, the truck doesn't feel like it's falling apart because everybody is so sensitive to NVH in today's vehicles. The engineers do a lot to make sure that if you're off-road, if NVH you're- NVH meaning? Noise, vibration, harshness. If you are going off-road, nothing's going to rattle apart. Well, guess what? That also helps the audio guys because it's designed to stay put and not make a bunch of buzzing and creaking and all the other type of noises that you might get from a high-power system. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than an 80s uh, truck, for sure. Way better. In terms, of, uh, in terms of all that. And they're really luxury vehicles now. I mean, a high a high trim level Dodge Ram is, you know, wasn't it named like best luxury vehicle by one of the magazines? Yeah, and, and I best, know. I think Ward's 10 best interiors. And, you know, you could take a, a Ram Limited um, top of the line with the uh, the tuxedo style black wood with the uh, pinstriped inlays of wood. They're using mm-hmm. real wood, real leather, real aluminum, you know, real metal. It, it you could put that interior up against almost any luxury car Bentley. that's south of two hundred thousand dollars. It's it's amazing what you can get in these trucks today. It's just a, a really unbelievable. So, Manville, what I wanted to ask next is about DSP. We have to get to that because I know that the company as a whole, as I think, based on my research, JL is at the forefront of digital signal processing. And so it sounds scary, but I want you to break it down, explain what it is, what it does, what it's supposed to accomplish, and then how can our listeners tippy-toe their way into it? Yeah, it's uh, explained in a real simple way. Digital signal processing takes an audio signal, turns it into numbers that can then be manipulated with math to change them in a very specific and prescribed way so that the audio changes at the other end when we convert the you know what it sounds like? numbers What's back that? to analog. It's an inline tuner for your engine. It's the same exactly. thing. You're basically exactly. taking an input, you're, alter- you're, you're altering it so the output is the desired outcome. So if you guys are used to an inline tuner like a Banks Derringer mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, what JL Audio is doing with their DSP is the same thing. They're taking that input coming from the system and putting output to the speaker system in the, the form that they think is going to sound best. And so that's a, probably the simplest way to explain that, right? And so, you're, Manville, you're talking about putting delay in certain places to make the sound come from different places in the vehicle or different frequency ranges or what? Yeah, delay is one of the tools that you have. In any, in any channel of one of our VXI amplifiers, for example, it has DSP built in. You have the ability to delay the signal if needed. You have the ability to apply an all-pass filter, which changes the phase of the signal. And then you have the ability to apply 10 bands of fully parametric equalization to that signal and control its level and assign that to a preset. So imagine doing that across 10 channels in a system, each driving its own speaker. We really have the ability to orchestrate the way the entire speaker system blends together. And that's where the magic comes in. It's not just the fact that we can assign all these parameters to each channel. It's what we do to the whole system when we tune it. 
And that's why we developed something called the uh, Tune Software and the Max tuning system that we've uh, launched recently to help dealers dial these systems in analytically. Very much the same way an engine tuner uses analysis to decide what the fuel mapping is going to be on a vehicle and the timing and everything else. Uh, that's not done blindly. You, you don't just listen to the engine and, and turn that. You have to actually see what's going on with uh, with proper analysis. And that's what we're doing now to tune DSPs. We have very advanced uh, audio analysis systems that help us adjust all these parameters. And the goal is for the driver of that vehicle to get sound from all the speakers in sync with one another, the same way you would if you were sitting smack in the middle between two high-end pair of stereo speakers in a really great high-end home. You're audio. talking about, like, for example, you mentioned delay a few times. This is as if you had your Dolby system in your home theater set up and you're delaying the signal because the speakers in a room may not be equal length or distance from you. You can alter the timing of the signal so the sound all either arrives at the exact same time or at least phased in a way that the original music composer or sound producer intended it to reach your body or your ear. So what you're doing is typically or essentially using the DSP so that you have as true a reproduction of that audio as possible as intended by the creator of that audio. Yeah, pretty much. Let me let me explain it this way. When when a recording is made, when a stereo recording is made, the the person who's dialing it all in is sitting between the speakers equidistantly, and that's how that's how the the sound of the sound stage is actually listened to. Um, when you sit in a in a car, you're off to one side, so you're much closer to the speakers on your side of the vehicle and much further away from the speakers on the far side. That not only creates a level difference between the speakers, the closer ones sound louder, right? But it also means that the closer ones, the sound arrives at your ear before the ones on the far side. So the delays allow us to delay the near side so that the sound arrives at the same time as the sound from the far speakers, and we can adjust their level also. So in essence, it sounds as if you were sitting in the center which is a super important for the idea of a front stage because you are offset. And if you're mm-hmm. driving by yourself all the time, you'd like to think that the music, that you're basically driving the car into the music, into the into the stage, versus yeah. it and being it off to the side. it sounds okay in the passenger seat. It's not like it sounds terrible. Yeah, who cares about seat. the passenger? But it's definitely, <laughs> you know, when, when my wife is in it, uh, I have a setting for her, so it switches it to her seat. Oh, uh, good man. That's one wow. thing you can do with the SP. How, how long have you guys been like married? Re- uh, 25 years. Oh, nice. and that's why. So everybody wants to hit 25 years. Make <laughs> well, sure your jail audio setting has a and preset. She's a for your former wife. recording recording engineer, so she's oh. pretty picky. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Well, I mean, I always liken it to this. Very simple. We've all been to a concert, and when is the last time that the drummer was behind you? You know what I mean? Like the drummer's always behind. It's in front of you, behind the singer. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. But with, when the soundstage is messed up, you might have the singer like between you and your wife. That's not right. And it's weird, right? Unless you're in a stadium and Elton John is in the middle of well, a field, or right? He's ba- yeah. Well, stadiums are bad because they're just bouncing off everything. I'm anyway, just saying, right? that, you know, we've we've been we've seen Metallica or U2 where Bono is in the middle, right? And that's th- that would be an exception. But typically, the, the 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 performers, you know, Imagine Dragons, they're up on the stage and as is all of the instruments and the speakers, you don't have this weird kick drum that's happening from behind you. And I think right. that's what DSP accomplishes. And I, I spent all my, so I, I misappropriate my time sometimes at night trying to fall asleep. 
and I watched your Max Kit video, which had to be 40 minutes about this suitcase looking apparatus that comes with microphones and XLR cables and the whole <laughs> nine. Did you buy it? And, uh, it's $3,500. So the answer is no. But that um, hasn't stopped you before from making a, a, a well, that's a good point. Excessive purchase. Yes. Now, but I was trying to be informed about what was going on. And I mean, to see where DSP started and then basically look, even I don't own a shop, obviously. But if I was a hardcore aficionado, I might buy this kit. You would buy that kit. Because I could buy this kit, and I know it's not designed for me, but... Like you, it comes with all the microphone. I think it comes with mics, right? So yeah, it's a five mic system. Five mic system, and you put it in the driver's seat, and you measure everything. And at the end of a Saturday, you've got a world class system. Even if it's you know like crappy stock speakers, right? You don't have to have and I, you as you invest in your system and your speakers and everything, you can make further adjustments as your speakers sound different, um, have different resonance or. I don't know. This yeah. is an awesome tool. I automate. It's not for consumers generally, but it's well, it's pretty amazing. Max actually was used to develop that Ram Stealth box because we were we were working with the with the driver positioning in that cabin. The cabin of the Ram is big enough that it actually behaves more like a room. Really? So it is it's a big so cab. Big. Yeah. So it, it has some interesting low frequency issues, and and, when, and Max was essential in in measuring all that and making sure we got it dialed in correctly. Um, for these, you know, big cats. So it's not just for, you know, tuning DSPs. It's a, it's just a really powerful audio analysis system that can be used for DSP tuning and also can be used as a, as a general audio measurement tool. And a lot of our dealers are buying it and recognizing, you know, that it's a, it's an essential tool for, for doing good work for their customers. So if you, if you know, if you see a dealer who's bought a Max, a JL audio dealer who's bought a Max system, you know, that's a serious uh, a serious car audio dealer who's really, you know, going to do great work in terms of DSP. Uh, there you go. When you find a new car audio dealer, do you have Max? And if they say no, walk away. If they say, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. You're like, yeah, I didn't say that now. <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave skid marks. Yeah. So where do we, you know, where does a guy like Holman and I, or someone who knows less even about car audio, where do we get started? Do we go to jlaudio.com and start sifting through? Or where's where's what's our steps one, two, and three? Who's going to help us decide what we want to get out of our car stereo? You know, and, and we, and there's some fear too. I got to say that like there are shysters in on the retail side that are like, oh, and mm-hmm. they're going to sell you eight grand worth of stuff that maybe is not the best. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do I make an informed decision on what jail amp speakers, et cetera, that I need for my truck? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, in today's information rich world, you certainly have a lot of places where you can find information. There's no lack of information. The problem is deciding whether the information is good or not. And a lot of the stuff that you see on Facebook, on enthusiast forums and things like that, you know, some of it's good info and some of it isn't. And it's really confusing. I get why it's so confusing. Uh, first, you could always call JL Audio and talk to one of our tech support people if you have questions about our products or how they're applied or how they're used. Um, and if you can find a good car audio shop in your area and develop, develop a relationship with them, and really, you know, study how they do their work. Ask them some questions. Uh, do you solder all your connections? Uh, do you have uh, analysis software for tuning DSPs? Tell I prefer you, I prefer butt connectors tune. and those little crimp on things that always come loose. <laughs> right. The ones from Home Depot. Yes. Oh, those yeah. Are, those yeah. Are those are the best ones. Sell them in a bag yeah. of fifty, right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Twenty. Cents. I had a neighbor. <laughs> I had a neighbor come to me um, recently. Had bought a truck online, and had a system in it. 
and had nice equipment. I won't mention brands, but had really nice equipment from various brands, including JL. And he asked me to take a look at it because it didn't sound right. And it was a mess. It was so poorly installed. And whoever installed this thing, God knows where, where he got the vehicle, who knows. But they took what, what basically had the potential to be a great sounding system and totally ruined it with a bad installation. And that's the kind of thing that's bad for our industry. Um, it certainly would leave a terrible taste in a customer's uh, you know, mouth after, after having an experience where they spend thousands of dollars and they get substandard results. So it, the most important resource that you have is a good car audio dealer. Somebody who can give you good advice, who knows your vehicle, who's done this work before, who can explain the technology, and who can uh, who can help you make the right choices and, and even stage them so you can do it affordably. Maybe you want to start the system with a subwoofer and then add speakers and then you know add another amplifier. So that would be a number one resource. Back that up with some online resources. Uh, you know, obviously the company website is a good place to get product information. Um, there are some good you know, general resources out there on Facebook. There's a JL Audio for Life group on Facebook that's full of really positive information and and good advice um, that's monitored by our tech team. So, you know, there there are some good places to do some research online and verify that what you're being told is 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 good stuff. Can we call JL and can you guide us to a the best dealer in our area? We we can sure help you find some good dealers. Um, you know, for us, it's very difficult to pick. We love all our dealers. Uh, so, you know, we we don't like to, you know, play favorites for one So the answer is no. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, if you want to date my daughter, I'll introduce you to all of them. Got it. You're, asking me a, you're asking me a political question. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Understood. Fair enough. Okay. Well, listen, uh, JL Audio, uh, you're going you're gonna to swim through a lot of product here. It's all... A A level quality here, and hopefully, I think you know you're gonna you're gonna tippy toe into the waters of, of high end car stereo, and and uh, they make it's car audio, it's home audio, it's uh, marine audio, oh, we power sports, touch yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So oh jlaudio.com, there's uh, a, a tremendous resource on there. You can find them on on their socials as well. Um, just fantastic products, really really high end stuff that is going to make your truck sound so much better if it's installed correctly. Absolutely, and you'll make you know our 700 plus employees here in the u.s uh very happy and very proud if you choose our product um we certainly put a lot of effort and a lot of uh hard work into into building great product we didn't even touch on that holman is that the stuff is made in florida yes and a lot of it's built to order a lot of it is yeah all the stealth boxes are built in miramar florida um most of our car audio woofers are built in florida as well that's um, not a lot of people in the U.S. or U.S. manufacturers or brands are, are doing that. So kudos to you guys yeah, for al- keeping that. We also build a ton of marine speakers in Florida for those who are no market down there for that. No, nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're actually the biggest marine employer in uh, South Florida, which is surprising. wow. What? That's amazing. Yeah, we're considered part of the marine industry, and our employee count is the highest of any of the marine operations in South Florida. So that's that's pretty cool, I think. Awesome. Well, listen, Manville, we're going to have to call you again and check in because I feel like we're, we're just, just scratching, scratching the surface. surface. Yeah. Yes. Hey, oh anytime. Gosh. I'd love to talk about anything related to audio and trucks and having a good time. All right. Well, we will, we will definitely do this again. Appreciate you uh, making the time for us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, guys. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Manville. Thanks, Manville. Bye-bye. Congratulations, Holman. Good show. 
Good show. That was a long one. How do you feel about it? Good? I can hear it. I hear it. You're playing the, uh, the bell, but you're not to the beat. Can you stop now? The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. Holman has a, uh, a bell that you'd find on the desk of like a uh, Motel 6. Or library. Or library, yeah. Yeah, unlike uh, all of the fake noises that uh, lightning generates from his machine over there, I have a real physical bell sitting here. It's getting, it's getting annoying. Can you stop now? I'm going to turn off your microphone. Stop now. All right, here we go. Microphone going off. <laughs> I need to pull more microphones. I got to fix my... Listen to my mic. What's wrong with my mic? It you. distorts. It listen to the mic. You. What's wrong with my microphone? <laughs> it's the user. God Mine damn. sounds great. I don't know what's going on with my mic. That is the machinery we, and equipment telling you it's time to all of this gear? Listen to this. Test one, two. <laughs> what are you doing over I there? I don't know. I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary. <laughs> it's driving me freaking batty. You sound that bad all the time, though. No, that's distorting. This, this is, is definitely... Listen, no. This is a digital... This is a digital issue. Well, you don't <laughs> also do a podcast with the microphone foam halfway down your throat. That's what she said. Yep. I don't think she ever said anything of the sort. I, I, I think she did. Hey, listen, let's end this thing because mm-hmm. now you're getting, you're starting to get Am like- Am I punchy? You're punchy. You're <laughs> yeah. punchy the clown over there. I am you're... punchy the clown. All right. <laughs> All right. You know what we need from you guys? We need a five-star review on Apple Podcast app, please. So Apple Podcast app, leave us some five-star action and leave a funny textual review that we can read on this very podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like type something funny that we would enjoy reading. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, do that. Five stars and say, I like Holman because X. He's uh, handsome and talented. Why, why, would you leave, why would you just talk about lightning? Well, Ooh, you see know, what I did yeah, there? I just see what you did there. Yeah. I don't even like that one. You know no. why I don't like that one? Do because like it sounds better? like it came from a synthesizer and like the one of those flat electronic drum sets. You like that one? Hey, better. Hey, better. Can we have Alan do a better one for us? A real one? Like an actual one on an a drum set. An actual one on his drum set sure. in his in his place. Hey, did we get any no's, by the way? Did anyone leave us a no on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, or email us a no? Really? You guys, Zero. I, I want to add you to my no collection. Sorry, nothing. Really? I, I'm looking for a deep voice guy out there that's going, no. Or a kid. No. <laughs> well, you just did those two voices. No, I don't want to use me. Uh, me either. I mean, I've been using you for four years. That, thank you. Good night. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. That's what she said. That's right. Try the veal. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, if you guys want to uh, hook up with us or want to slide into our DMs, hit us up on at Truck Show Podcast, at LBC Lighting, or at Sean P. Holman. And uh, listen, five-star hotline, just like Lighting told you, 657-205-6105, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Do one of them. Do all of them. We want to hear from you. We love interacting with our listeners, and there's nothing we love more than telling you about Nissan trucks. And if you want to make yourself a uh, awesome little overland vehicle, mm-hmm. you want to head over to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price the frontier of your dreams. Or your biggest question when ordering a new Nissan Frontier, maybe even the Pro 4X, is do you want Red Alert Cardinal Red Tricode 
Tactical Green Metallic, Deep Blue Pearl, Baja Storm Pearl, Super Black, Boulder Gray Pearl, my favorite, or Gun Metallic. That's that's your biggest question right there. Because that I can't I can't decide if it's tactical green metallic or boulder gray pearl. Can you? Holman? I'm a red alert guy myself. Are you really? Or you could be like our friend uh, and listener, Ryan L., who uh, just bought his base model 4x4. If you like your trucks uh, a little less fancy, nothing okay. wrong with that. NissanUSA.com or head on down to your local dealer where you can try out and be impressed with the all-new Frontier. And, of course, the Nissan Titan and Nissan Titan XD come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. But if you're stuck with your old truck and it's got a case of the sluggies, just the sluggish the sluggies? pedals. Yeah, the sluggies. That's what I think. It's like sponge pedal. You step down into the pedal and it just takes forever to accelerate. You need a Banks Pedal Monster. It will get back that response that you so desire. Wow, that was thick, dude. That's what she said. Yeah, that's not what she said. But what, what he said was, uh, yeah, Banks Pedal Monster, I've driven it. Yep. It makes a big difference. So if you uh, think we're just you know over here uh, hawking goods, well, we are. To kill the sluggies in your truck, type in your year, make, and model at bankspower.com. All right. Before we end the show, I just wanted to uh, tell you congratulations. I what did I do? Uh, well, you haven't done anything yet, but uh, I know there's a certain uh, uh, vehicle that <gasps> has been built. I, how do you not? How, how do you know this? I may, how do you how do you have this intel? I may have pulled some strings to look up your vehicle identification number. Yes, and your TRX <gasps> is on the way. Wait, what does it? What does that mean? Does it has it been built? Is it being built? Well, I don't. No, I don't it's, understand. It's, it's on the way. I'll, I'll tell you next week. I I gotta go. No, 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 I'm no, running no, late. no, 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 I, no, 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 no. I good. ordered this in December. I've been waiting forever. You what? can wait another week. No, I, I, I do not go. want to wait for another week. Come back it's in here. Way, it's on the way. No, you're good. Don't worry about it. I gotta, I gotta go. See you next week. Oh, that's not cool. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. Hold on, I'm going back to eating your meat.